Hello? Why can I see you? I don't know. Why does that why does that happen? You gotta turn that off. That's that's bad. What? Yeah. Oh god, go away! This is because of the damn cats. When my cat had an operation, and we had to keep it separate from the other cat so it wouldn't hurt itself, so we kept it in a back bedroom, okay? Yeah. And it had the cone on its head, right? The, the big giant cone? Yeah, yeah. And the door to this room swells shut so much that guests have been trapped in there. Like, they need, like, we wake up in the morning, <laughs> they're like, we've needed to pee since three, and we have to let them out. So we get up one morning, and the cat goes walking by us without the cone on. I can't go to work now. The cat will kill itself. So what I did was I left Danielle's laptop, and I set it so that I call her Skype from work throughout the day and video chat with my cat to make sure the cat was still in the room with the cone, with the on, cone on Or else I'd have to leave work at lunch to come home to see if the cat was alive. So if I saw the cat, I know I can stay at work. But now we can't turn it off, so anyone can call and just video chat with Danielle. Doesn't even ask her if she wants to. It's like hailing frequencies open. There they are. Well, I think we fixed it, finally. I think we fixed it? All right. So, every time, it's like I call Danielle. Oh, there's the ceiling. Hello. Hello. I'm just still laughing that you set up the laptop. To video chat with the cat. Well, then it's, I, I didn't think it through it at, too much because then I see it trying to get out of the room while I'm at work. I'm like, what do I do? Yell at it? Like, it's, stop that. It's like, but how the cat answer? Like, well, it was only good for if, if everything was fine and they had to leave. If the cat got out of the room, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And then it's fun. I'm watching the cat and my mother, like, pokes her head in and the cat runs out. My mother's like, oh my God, she's chasing after the cat. I'm like, you idiot. But she's fine now. She, she's, okay. she's fine now. Long story short, she never got the cone off again. We really don't know how she did that. I don't know how she got the door open. I don't know. Yeah, I know. She must have literally devoted like 12 hours of like butt scratching time towards getting the door open. (laughs) And I can't believe we didn't hear her because it's right next to our room. Like, exactly. I can't believe we didn't hear the door trying to be opened. Literally, friends of mine have been trapped in this room and the cat made it. It's true. It was was, was frightening, really. Hi, Keza. Hi. How are you doing? I'm okay. I don't think we've really talked since rebuilding life. Uh, Probably not. And that was like, what, (laughs) 08, 09? (laughs) <laughs> when did Lost uh, end? It been, was around the same I've been week. working for two years. It was around the week Lost ended, as I recall. No, I've been working for two years, so it was probably about 09. It was 09. This is bad. <laughs> All I remember is Rena spoiled Lost for me, and that was right around the time that we were at your Oh, those were dark days. Those were dark days. Oh, that's right, because Not, we were supposed to have a... And that was the prep time for Lady Chi. Chi spoiling me. Yeah, Lady Chi spoiled me after that. Oh. Rena, Rena established... Well, that was unfortunate that we made our last night also the drinking party and also your other interview. That was bad. <laughs> Well, and then Jen, Jen spoiled you probably several times, Jen's, right? Jen's, uh, or no, I can't remember. Yes, she spoiled me on something because I remember yelling at her. You just spoiled me, you and <laughs> she was like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> Jen's like, "I know you all still have a podcast, so you know." I know she's so funny. <laughs> she's very funny. We love Jen. Now, because I just yeah. have a question for you. My Skype yes. um, away status thing there. Danielle says it implies that I'm gay. Can no, I I said when I looked looked really fast because all I saw were the words coming out and I was like what? I just, I just think the Papuanians have far too much time on their hands. Oh, I have just noticed it says there that Danielle wants to show video. Oh, no. Stop showing people <laughs> your do, video. I don't want to show video. 
Oh my god, it's a damn cat! What do I do? And I don't know how to fix that. So, but if I decline, will it cut her off? I don't, I, I don't know how. Because I turned, I thought I turned my video off. She's, like, not, she's I, not offering me video. All right, let me see if I can fix this. Well, I'm just oh, ignoring okay. it. I have to start video automatically, and I have it checked off. So I, I'm unchecking it. Yes, uncheck. Was that the cat? Yeah. Did you hear that? What was that? I don't know. Let me go check on her. And I wanted to get something anyway. I'll be right back. You could hear Harry and Hermione time turning on the TV in my living room. <laughs> Seriously, we can't hear your kids. We can hear my cat. <laughs> <This is laughs> well, they're not doing anything. They're in the middle of a Harry Potter marathon. They're on the time turning scene of number three. Do you know what I've been having a marathon of today, Kessa? What? I've been watching Boy Meets World all day, the first season, because I love Feeny. What is that? Oh, you don't Meets? know what it is? It was no. a... Um, uh, it was probably not big in Australia. It's not big. Do you guys get Full House? Yes. Okay. It's like a full house-ish type show, and it started off about, do you know who, oh, uh, Ben Savage, Fred Savage's brother. Oh, okay. It's basically a show about him at school, and the other major character is some of his classmates and his teacher, and his teacher is also his next-door neighbor, so it's one of those shows where he learns a life lesson in every episode, and (laughs) a couple seasons into it, they decided, let's send all the kids to high school and then college, you know, we'll hook two of the characters up, and they'll become one of those tween romance. Show. I haven't seen the show in years, so I've threw it on. So I'm watching like the early first season ones before their voices changed. So that's what I've been doing all day. Uh, so that I think was... I remember seeing something about that, and it was about a, a kid in college. It might have been, yeah, because yeah. Does it, yeah, does it go that far? I can't remember. Yeah, it goes to college, and then they get married. Yeah. And it, it's this whole thing. So I, I that... remember I wasn't exactly interested in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one would think I wouldn't be either, but I don't watch Full House, so it evens out in the end. So, Ryan, oh, really that, was, Ryan that was uh, Sammy just meowing in front of the cabinet. That's all that was. Okay. Well, she was thi- just sitting there. The thing with the cat is she knows where her food is, so she camps out in front of the closet where we keep her food for like eight, ten hours at a time. Now she's discovered there's also food in the refrigerator, so now she's like dividing her time. <laughs> she doesn't usually meow that loud unless you're like walking in front of the cabinet. I went over and she was just sitting there and she just looked at me and she was like, meow. The thing you have to understand about this cat is the cat weighs like nine pounds. It's very, it's like, it's a little itsy bitsy cat with a huge voice. So, yeah, she why does. are we talking about our cats the whole time? Because anyway. She has four children. She only has three. <laughs> Two girls and a boy. See, uh, my cat just like walks under your feet until you feed it. I didn't even know you had a cat. So What's your cat's name? Yeah, we have a cat, and I don't really like the cat. Um, <laughs> I'm opposed to the cat. <laughs> opposed to <laughs> And now the kids are protesting because I dislike the cat. But because Aww. what it does to me is I go in at dinner time to make dinner mm-hmm. for the yep. people in the house, and the cat thinks, and probably rightly, that by walking in front of me and between my legs and under me, therefore thwarting my ability to cook dinner <laughs> and risking my life, that it will get fed. And of that course it does, because then I go, someone feed this cat before it kills me. That's so, so it works, because the cat you. always gets fed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very intelligent animal. That's my every evening. Is she's un- underfoot? Inevitably, I step on her tail. She, meows, she runs kicked, away. Like I've kicked this cat like four times because she jumps in front of my moving foot. It's like you know the abused wife is like she ran into my fist, Your Honor. Like my cat runs into my moving foot. I'll be in the kitchen with like hot pans of oil and mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm like, "Is this gonna cat's gonna kill me? It's gonna, <laughs> or it's gonna be deep fried?" <laughs> exactly. So, you know, really, the self-preservation of the cat is not there. (laughs) (laughs) It has no ability in that regard. (laughs) 
So, Downton Abbey. Yes. We held off on season two for you, and we encouraged mm-hmm. Jen to perhaps not participate this evening, because you know Jen would be like, now, did you all get to the episode where Carson has sex change operation, or does that come later? So we decided <laughs> to just maybe... Play. Well, I've seen I've seen seven episodes, yes. which, yeah, that's what from we what I can tell, is the end of season two, where they season say... One. Whoa, 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 season, season one. one. Season one. Season Sorry, one. Season oh. one. Oh, season one, where he says... I regret to inform you that we are at war. Yes. Germany. Yes. And if you could not see that coming, I have to say, I'm like, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Ah, well, there it is. Well, the thing, <laughs> why, why don't we just start the podcast? I don't remember how okay. to do this. Yeah, good luck with this. Uh, hey, Ron. The next time you're... Welcome back to the what, podcast. Uh, the Poofle Exchange was our last best hope for on-topic conversation. We failed. third season became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. Welcome back to the Puffle... No, I have to do the and. I can't do it without the and. And welcome back to the Puffle Exchange. This is Ryan. This is Keza. This is Danielle. Did anyone know that Keza had a cat? Seriously, this woman's been on our, our <laughs> podcast for years. Had a cat the whole time. Never told me. Never mentioned. I've had a cat since 2003. I didn't even know that. Like, my wife is on the line, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say, I used to ship with Keza, and she never mentioned the fact that she No, and I think I think her cat is, is like, the other half of Sammy, because they do the exact same thing when Keza and I are cooking dinner. Seriously, well, is anyone else picturing, you know, Danielle and Keza in the kitchen trying to cook dinner in the kitchen? <laughs> It's, and there's these two cats. I could ship the two. I could ship the two of you. This is Massachusetts. We can make it work. It's transnational. So uh, Keza has been. Well, basically, I just joked. I haven't talked to Keza in about two years. Uh, we, we That's talk, accurate. We talk in the morning. No, when was the bird incident? When you watched Battlestar Galactica? Was that? Oh two my years god, ago? the bird. That was. Oh, maybe that was two years ago. Because I remember this. Because Danielle called me. There's a bird in the house. It's trying to eat me. And I'm driving home and I'm talking to Keza on the phone or texting or doing whatever, asking her how the final episode of Battlestar Galactica was going. Because I have to keep my you know, hands on all the burners. Oh, that that may have been that was then. more recent. That may have been I more recent. So. All but, we know, but I've, yeah. I've been at work for two years. You've got to understand I've been being productive with my life. No, it's a miracle <laughs> that we've even been able to, to know Keza, because the thing is, is she's 13. What time is it there right now? It's 7-11 uh, here. It's 10.41 a.m. I told you! She's, oh, wow, you were she's right, She's 15 Ryan. and a half hours in the future. I don't get the half hour thing. I don't know how the... why. It's there's... because I'm in South Australia, and we're on the half hour because really? we're not in the right spot to be the full hour. So okay. it's so, like half hours in some places? <laughs> wait, that, well, I'm half an hour behind Sydney. Does that get really okay. confusing? No. Okay. Well, not right. Well, I mean, how is it any different than like Eastern time zone, Pacific time but zone? I thought like they eight. went by hours. Now they're yeah, going but by just be, well, hours. You know. just yeah, a, normally they do, but there is this half hour time zone. We're not the only people on this time, I have to say. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it Beijing? No, Beijing's Three hours. Oh, I don't know. There's an there's another place on Adelaide time. Let me look that up now that I have my modem working. Well, I'm, I'm mm. well. Keza was her Wi-Fi was stolen her this evening. I believe. Oh, I, some I, someone was on it. I blame. Yes. I blame a fellow Australian. Or, or Austin, yes, they were someone else. All right, let me have a look at. Why well, does have more respect for Keza? Because we've always when we plan our podcasts, 
they usually always do in an Eastern time, and she's always showed up. And I never had any idea that in her head she has to subtract 15 and a half hours, because that gets a little confusing. And then Jen's an hour behind me, and the fact that Sue and Keza have ever spoken, I think, is a miracle. Actually, Sue's so far over to the left, she's almost bumping up to Keza from the other side. So I was about to get excited and say, oh yes, there's another place on a half hour, but that's Darwin, which is like directly north and part of Australia, so it doesn't count. Most people are on the 12 past, they're 12 past the hour. Like, for example, in Amsterdam, uh-huh. it is 12 past one in the morning in Amsterdam. And every uh, Caracas, Caracas, there you go. It's seven forty-two in Caracas. I don't know where Caracas. That's the, I don't know where it is too. So it's exact. So it's twelve and a half hours ahead of me. So it's three hours one way or another to you. But every uh, and Tehran, Tehran, there you go. Tehran is three forty-three a.m. on Tuesday. Tehran. Most and St. John's. I, I don't know where St. John's is. Well, I don't believe I'll be visiting Tehran anytime soon because you know the, the new <laughs> thing. But most people are indeed. Well, the minutes are moving on. It's now thirteen past the hour. It's now thirteen. If you listen to our whole podcast, we'll keep. We'll do this in real time. It'll be. We won't be able to edit anything <laughs> we'll out. But time in Tehran. <laughs> <laughs> For every little while. <laughs> It'll be like one of those TV shows where the woman has the kid in the next season, the kid's in kindergarten. We'll lose a little bit of time as we go through. But as of right now, it's the time is now 13 well, past the what hour. about Kathmandu? It's a 5.58 a.m. They're not even on the half hour. They're like 40 minutes this out. This world what, is what? weird. Like, I never realized it was this complicated. The fact that I've ever met Keza, I think, is just more and more. <laughs> well, plus, it's night for us. It's day for her. It's, the whole it, it boggles the mind. It, it, it's a boggler. It's very confusing. I spoke to someone on Facebook yesterday uh-huh. who were complaining that no one was playing this game with them. And then someone else came and said, well, I'm in the past. And I said, I was in the past. And then like about half an hour later, I had to go back and retract. I'm like, no, 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 I'm in the future. I don't know why I thought I was in the past. I'm Wait a minute. Past- Wait a minute. I've never tried to think of this. I'm, I'm having a thought in real time. I'm saying what I'm thinking without self-editing, which is always a bad idea. You're mm-hmm. 15 and a half hours in the future, right? Yes. Now, the world is a globe. She's like, yes. So at some point, <laughs> if you keep going in one direction long enough, you're going to bump into the beginning. So, yeah. you're, so you're 13 and a half hours in the future. At some 14, point. 13, 15. 15 and a half yeah. hours in the future. 15 and a half hours in the future. At some point, aren't you going to bump into like last Thursday? Because doesn't it have to switch all the Like, where's the guy who's 15 and a half hours behind me? Like, at some point, don't, doesn't everyone I have think to you have to be Superman to do that. No, okay. So if you go and, okay, if you get in your car and you drive right, you're thinking east, of that West Wing episode. No, this, stick with me here. She's 15 and a half hours ahead of me. Right. So if she gets in her car, I know she's on an island, but if she gets, uh, it's a continent, I understand. But if she gets in the car and drives east, at some point, won't you be 16 and a half hours ahead of me? No, because I can't travel faster than time. No, I understand that, but is there a time zone to the right of you? There's a time zone to my right. Yes, so, it's Sydney so, time zone. So they're an hour ahead if, of if you. I, if I get in the car and drive to Sydney, I have to change my clock. I have to put it at forward half an hour. Okay. You go forward. Okay, so there's so they're even more in the future than you are. If I get on a plane and fly to LA, yes. it'll go across Pacific. And I will gain time. You can, I I, I don't remember the exact time, but you can get on a plane to Sydney and it'll be like seven o'clock and you get on the plane and you dutifully fly across the Pacific and you arrive in LA and you've lost no time whatsoever. Like it's still seven o'clock. Right. So you've like caught up with another time zone. Well, this is is what I'm trying to figure out. All right. And it's so different than if we travel like to and from Ireland. We lost time going. We gain time coming back. No, I understand that. But okay. So right now for, for, for Keza, it's 15 and a half hours in the future. And for Sue, compared to me, it's three hours in the past. 
So Sue is three hours. So for Sue, it's four o'clock on Monday. For Keza, it's 1030 in the morning or 11 o'clock on Tuesday, right? So my question is, as as Keza flies east, at some point, doesn't she bump into Sue yesterday? Is there like a time zone that like, if you go a little bit to the right, it's, it's yesterday? Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. Okay. Because, because when you, when you fly somewhere from Australia, which is one of the first countries after the international dateline, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And if you go anywhere else in the world from Australia, you can arrive somewhere before you left. The, you people right. are so cool. Because, <laughs> because if you leave yes. somewhere at 7 p.m. on Monday and you fly like the other way, you can arrive then at 4 p.m. on Monday their time. Right. So like, awesome. rand, I'm just picking out numbers, but you can actually arrive somewhere before you left. I've heard people do it. No, I've seen it. No, like, <laughs> seriously, really the, inter- the international dateline was what I was going for. Now, is the international dateline over water or is it over land? It's over water. It's over, thank God. Could you imagine if we had a Puffwainian who lived on the international dateline trying to schedule a podcast? Nah, it's really crooked. It, like, goes crooked through the Pacific to go around all the islands but because really? it has to go, like, around Hawaii because Hawaii has to stay on the same day oh, as everyone wow, else yeah. in America. Right. That and so it goes around Hawaii and then it, like, cuts through and past so it doesn't divide the Solomon Islands or whoever and make sure New Zealand's in the same time zone as Australia. I think we should have just so kept perfect. everyone in the same time and then so, and some people just go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when they <laughs> like, I just think that's how we should have done it because this is really just way too confusing. But, anyway, but we so- determine our time by the position of the sun so the sun's not in the same position for everyone yes. all day. I know. It's confusing. Well, no, just have it all. It's it's 7 o'clock everywhere and for some people 7 o'clock is when you go to work and some people No, that's just not right. It's, oh, yeah, because the way we have it now is less confusing. That's not right. <laughs> people like confused as much as you. Oh, my goodness. All right, so Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey is set at Greenwich Mean Time because, you know, that's what <laughs> it's ah, just, It sounds cool to say Greenwich. Now, the first thing Danielle noticed about this show is the opening credit starts the butt of a dog. I don't know if that's why it's so that successful kind of if that's why it's so successful in the ratings, but it is. Now, let me ask Keza this, because she's not English, but she's the closest thing we have. Mm-hmm. What is Masterpiece Classic? Because it's it's a Masterpiece Classic episode presenting Downton Abbey. Do we know what Masterpiece Classic is? It's like Masterpiece Theater. Is, is, no, I think so. No? Let me Google that. Let's Google it, because you have your Wi-Fi back from the Aussie who stole it from you. So, yeah, yes, I don't have Wi-Fi anymore. I gave, I put back the old modem, which no one can hack. Well, and that sucks to be them, whatever they were doing, because they're going... <laughs> podcasting. Damn it. The, 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 the automatic guy that's on the other end of the phone company mm-hmm. says to me, I, I will try and help you find the problem. Please tell me, do you have blah, 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 and he asks questions and you go, yes or no, and you feel like an idiot because you sit on the phone going, yes, no. Okay, then, I'll connect you to an operator <laughs> assistance. Oh, my goodness. And anyway, the guy, the, the automatic guy, before he does that, he says to me, well, you know, the computer says, I will check your, your connection. One moment, please. He goes, there is high activity on your, I'm thinking, I'm doing nothing because nothing's happening. And set something about BitTorrent or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's someone on my line illegally downloading things. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, so I pulled the modem out when the guy, I, I got through to the real guy who was mm. like, okay, now you will do this because everyone is in India. And actually, I think he sent from the Philippines. He was very helpful. Uh-huh. Anyway, and, and he said the same thing. There's a lot of high <clears> usage. <throat> There's a new. There's someone else on your line. This is not the right, you know, because your your password and username is this, and someone else using this name. And so, 
I unplugged that modem and I went, ha, suffer, because in the middle of downloading their illegal episodes of Lost or whatever, mm-hmm. they've just lost connection and they can't do it anymore. Well, know what you should do now when you leave your house? It's going to be someone within so many square feet of your house doing it. You have to glare at all the neighbors. And yes. the ones that look guilty, that's the guy who did it. Well, I did mine. I pulled my airport utility log and I'm looking at all the devices that logged onto my computer. And I was convinced a while ago that my neighbors were hacking in because I had... What I say? I said I have three devices that connect to the internet, and I have eight logged in right now. So I'm like, those bastards! And I'm like looking through like the window. You know, I've got the like the, the line down all the way, but I'm just peeking through with the, you know my a-hole neighbors who were stealing my my Wi-Fi. And I found the MAC addresses of all the devices that were logged in, and I looked up the MAC addresses to find out what type of device it is because that will help me find them. And the first one <laughs> came up was a Wii. I'm like, crap! I have a Wii. Okay, I have four <laughs> devices, but the other ones are you know the. And then I called the next one. I'm like, it's a Roku. My mother has a Roku. Okay, that one. It's fine. And I went through and everything, you know, checked out. And I, I, the other day I went through again and then, you know, Rina's husband's phone was on there because he was in the driveway and he must have connected all these different people. Someone was logged in. Dave C slash PC logged into my account. I'm like, Dave C's PC. I don't know a Dave. And I'm like, this is it. It's the neighbor. Who around is the name? Dave. And I'm like yelling Dave out the window. Well, I have a friend, DJ, who it took me a while to remember his name is actually Dave. <laughs> Well, I had looked up Masterpiece, Uh and I've now been spoiled, I might say, because you get this big, huge, don't look it up, because (laughs) you'll get pictures of what's clearly season two of Downton Abbey. Um, it must be a company or or, or organization. It says PB. It's got PBS company yeah. or organization. Oh man, I'm getting spoiled. I have to turn this turn off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Don't look. Um, and and it's it's obviously a production company by the looks of things. Okay. Production company. Well, I'd usually say. you turn to a podcast for information. We are more clueless than listeners are. So I'm sorry. The Masterpiece Trust. It's got to be uh, something to do with Masterpiece Theater. Debut. Oh 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 oh. Ooh. The beloved PBS series that ignited America's passion for classic and contemporary tales brought to life through sumptuous scripts, costumes and sets debuted as Masterpiece Theatre in January 1971 with the Churchills. In honour of this milestone 40th anniversary, the Masterpiece Trust has been established to ensure this iconic and celebrated series will warm the homes of audiences for at least another 40 years. The Trust will create an opportunity for individual donors and families who care deeply about the series to provide for its future in a substantial way while also supporting their local PBS station. Yeah, we just did episode on Gilmore Girls too and that was actually started through uh, grants or some kind. So you've asked you've asked about this Masterpiece Trust thing from the closest thing you have to an English person. It's actually an American thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Laura right. Lenny does the intros, but you know it's it's it, you're 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 close. Remember when Hermione she sent her parents down to you people? I mean you guys have a have a, have a type have <laughs> No, a type. I I'm actually my my ancestry is British. I know. I'm only the second person in my family born in Australia. The rest are all born in the UK. Yeah. Which is one thing that I found really um, interesting about this show and the thing is I bought it on Blu-ray because we have a DVD Blu-ray DVD thing Mm -hmm. so I bought it on Blu-ray and I'm watching I think my mother will love this but I can't show it to her because she doesn't have a Blu-ray player Mm -hmm. because one of the things about it is because um, my mum's really into her family history and so she's researched a lot and we are from the class of people downstairs um, housemates and groomsmen and you know all of those people downstairs and mum would read like historical novels and be like, well, but that's not about our people because they would always write it about the aristocracy, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Our people. So she would love this show because it shows the lives of both and it shows the lives of the people downstairs. 
And I sort of look at that and I go, oh, yeah, that's like, that's me. You know, we're not aristocracy. We're the people, we're like Daisy. We're Daisy, poor Daisy. But And they do that, they do that showing both, you know the the uh, upstairs and downstairs. It's it's almost seamless, don't you think? The way they do yeah. it, it it it's not. It just feels so natural the way it's done that, and it, you get these different perspectives. It's really kind of cool. Like to just see how many maids this one house has is unbelievable, and how the maids within the maids there's this hierarchy. Right. Yeah, and, and there's maids there that I just realized, like on the last episode that I watched, mm-hmm. that that we haven't, we don't even really actually meet. I, I have to break here for a minute because there's my daughter's leaving. So can we hang hang from sure. there? Sure, we can hang. Sure. I'll be back in like a fraction of like a small amount of time. She reminds <laughs> me of the guy from Love Actually. It will take but a moment. Is making the. <laughs> I'll be back in a sec. Try for later. For those of you listening in the background, you might hear some fan noise from Danielle's side, possibly originating from a cat, and you will hear uh, Harry Potter marathon from Kez's side. So you get wall to wall. Well, I think the cats are finally both sleeping. I'm hearing a lot. Of Static on your end. Um, let me just. Well, maybe let me just move. Is that any better? Hard to tell. <laughs> I hear is cheering. <laughs> I'm back. That's okay. Hello. Harry Hello. seems like he's having a bit of a day. Yeah. Who? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Why? We heard Harry screaming in the background. Oh, well, um, Prisoner of Azkaban has just finished. My kids are on a, a Harry Potter marathon. We watched – they put on the first movie yesterday, Philosopher's Stone, and I'm sitting there quoting it. And I, <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> Apparently, I can. I um, I'm not as good with number two, um, and I can't really do number three except for um, – there's a, there was a line I can't remember what it was. So um, any, I think she might be about to put on number four. Yeah, I think I could hear Meanwhile, my floor, my lounge room floor. I, I've still got the Christmas tree up. I'm mm-hmm. so slack. Um, but you know who left some presents under the tree? V- Very Voldemort left presents under your tree. When I've I've bought the Harry Potter Lego, and I always sign it from you know who. <laughs> <laughs> Because they tell me they pick it up and they shake it and it's Lego, it's Harry Potter Lego. So my lounge room floor is covered in Harry Potter Lego. I can see Berg, Wogan and Bergs. I've got Ollivanders, yep, yeah, um, and a big pile of white something. There's there's an exploding bridge and the Great Hall and there's Dementors that sit on top of the Hogwarts towers and there's a night bus randomly in front of the TV. <laughs> So they are building Harry Potter Lego and watching a Harry Potter marathon because we got that the sounds Blu-rays. like the perfect day. It was, it's just, just nothing starting. wrong. But that's oh, we've got Gringotts. Oh, the white, the pile of white stuff is Gringotts. Okay, Ooh. very good. <laughs> we haven't built Gringotts yet, I don't think. Have we? No, we we haven't managed to finish building Gringotts. Have we finished? Well, we haven't finished Borgen and Burke's. Uh, Borgen and Burke's. Uh, okay. Well, you carry on. Goblet of Fire and building Borgen and Burke's and Gringotts. Excellent. I have successfully brainwashed my children. There you go. Anyway, and four begins. And there four. it is. Yeah, you just hear that. Anyway. <laughs> the, the Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'm actually facing the other way to block out most of the noise. So because now I don't have a laptop because my laptop died. Oh. Oh, Dawkins and Burks has a flu. Did you know that? It's got yeah, the, the m- little. Harry. Oh, I thought you were asking just in the movies. Did you know I had a flu? Yeah. No, there, there's a there's a flu in in um in the Lego of Dawkins and Burks. Well, they got that one. There you go, exactly. And because Harry comes out of it. Um, I was going to say, yeah, my laptop died about a year ago. 
So you know it's, it's been a while sad. since we talked to you. <laughs> um, and so we got a new desktop, but that's in the lounge room because we have this teeny, tiny, mega small house. So, and even if I had a laptop, I wouldn't be able to use it because people are hacking into my Wi-Fi. What was, what animals came <laughs> through your roof? Remember the time, uh, it was season three, Puffwa, remember we were joking about Gen 2 and her husband and you're like, I broke my house, you know, like hitting the ceiling with whatever. <laughs> possums. Possums. That's the roof. That's yes. on the roof. Yeah, the po- they have home they- alone possums have made the house. Yeah, so so I'm on school holidays at the moment, which is why I'm here. As I start work next week. Very cool. Well, I'm then. an art. Can, can you turn the TV down? It's too loud. We're not actually doing a Harry Potter podcast. I'll even sound the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, back to what we're actually talking about. Downton Abbey. How do we want to talk about Downton Abbey? What do we want to say about Downton Abbey? Uh, we just throw stuff out there. I don't have notes. Yeah. I just I just think things. I, I, I haven't had I notes since episode three. All right, Downton Abbey. <laughs> I, Danielle, I think originally put this on her Netflix queue, and then I saw it at um, a trip to Costco one day, and I saw yeah. Maggie Smith on the cover, and I'm like, we must watch this. <laughs> well, I, yeah, because I had added Gosford Park <laughs> to my queue, and I hadn't watched it yet, but it said, if you liked Gosford Park, you will like Downton Abbey. And uh, it's the same writer, I think, or the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we should go watch Gosford Park, apparently, but. Um, Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I saw it, because I rarely watch TV, I actually saw it in the shops when it came out um, on the in the DVD, mm-hmm. the season, and I was like, oh, and I did exactly the same thing. I went, oh, it's got Maggie Smith in it. I must watch yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time she came on, I was like, did they just bring McGonagall and put her in this? <laughs> because she seemed, she seemed exactly the same to me because I just watched Deathly Hallows Part 2. And she had this big feathered hat thing on and the high neck and everything. But as the series has gone on, I can, she doesn't look like McGonagall to me anymore. Well, because no. her, her hair is different. Well, I think thi- she looks older. The thing I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting, I, I haven't been spoiled on season two, but I do know that it jumps ahead a couple of years to start. So the, the thing I thought in the beginning was, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, it's 1912. You know, if this, if it goes on for, you know, a couple seasons, you know, they'll reach 1914 and the war will begin. I, but then as we're watching it, you know, an event will happen. And then the next episode, I think it was when Bates says i've been here for two I've been years here a year. i'm like really because yeah. we've watched all your episodes today and it's only taken us since lunchtime like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't you don't sense that that much time is going by and though i guess huh. i guess we should realize it because if you think about it they'll be like oh i've got a letter from so and so and that person lives in like i don't know ireland or whatever and it's like well it would take a while for that letter to get you know to get back and forth it wouldn't be as quick as it is today so i guess we should be realizing with as many letters as they exchange and this and that that a lot of time actually is passing well it's apparently before the days of monster.com too because it takes sybil like a year and a half to get that poor woman the secretarial kit because it seems like it's like two episodes but it's like over two years but um. well and i don't know if this is just i thought this was bizarre only because this is a family that has a shit ton of money I mean, they have so much money, it's ridiculous. And in every episode, the girls wear the same three dresses. I was thinking that. Did you notice that? I totally did not notice that. Mary wears that red dress all the time. And Edith wears that salmon thing. Yes. Yes. And the the, the thing that Sybil got knocked to the ground in, that that blouse thing, she was Mm -hmm. wearing that, like, on her way home from London after being presented. I was like, they're wearing the same clothes. I just want to ask this, too. It's filmed inside an actual castle. Like, the interior. 
interior sets are, are the actual castle itself. Is yeah. That right? Now, the one thing I was wondering is it's, it's a very large castle. It's a, it's a very, very, very large building, but I always feel like we're always in the same three rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Library. And I, and I honestly well, wonder, is it something where you're allowed to film here, but you're restricted to these three rooms? Well, wait, is the, is the interior that they use, is it this, it's not the same as what they use for the exterior yeah, shot. So it's they're actually filming it. I'm not sure. I watched part of it. I, I got bored, but because I was it was late. I watched part of that. You know where they talk to the director and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and about making the the show, and they talk to the writer, and they're filming him in the actual drawing room. And at first, I thought it was the set, but then they talked to the owner of High Clare Castle, and then they showed High Clare Castle. It, it is the library is the library in the movie. Right, because when you walk in the front yeah. door, if you go right to the left, that's the study. That's the study area. Yeah. He, like, every episode takes place in there. And maybe that's just me, but my thing is, if there's 50,000 rooms in the house, maybe, like, on Tuesdays, you'll, like, hang out in the blue room. You know? Well, not necessarily, though. So I mean, not. he probably did do yeah. a lot of his work or whatever in, well, in they that, had that room. I think, yeah, I think this is a case of Ryan exaggerating again because they have the library. Yeah. And they have the sitting room and they have the dining room. Yep. yep. Then that's where the family would spend their time. The sitting room area is where the ladies yeah. meet and thing. Right. And the, the library is the man's domain where he does all his work right. and everything mm-hmm. from there. That's where he sees people. Right. And then they have the dining room where they entertain. So there's those three rooms. And then they have the parents' bedroom. Yep. My goodness, off they sleep in the same room. <gasps> and like they it. have that room. And then the three girls all have a room. And I think we've and then seen they have a dressing room. Yeah. Pardon. I think we've so seen I think this there's, and then the rest of the rooms are guest rooms because mm-hmm. in houses like that, that's right. what they are. The family would only use a certain number of rooms and the rest are for guests. Yeah. There's right. a lot of bedrooms, like the one, the, the, the guy who died. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was the funniest thing. And it's become well, this big house. I just laugh. Because a couple <laughs> months ago, I've been watching an, a rerun of The Golden Girls and there was an episode where Rose took someone home and he died in her bed. And like, <laughs> no, and she didn't believe he was dead. So they also go, yep, he's dead. Like, it just reminds me to say he screamed and that was it. I'm like, oh my god, you killed him by orgasm. Like, he's like, oh my, what the hell did you? Like, at, at the beginning watching that, I was wondering if he was really dead or if he just got a little excited and took a nap. That's and she what I, thought. I thought the mother was like, going to poke him and they were gonna like bury him in the backyard <laughs> and like he. When she woke up the maid, I thought it was just to change the sheets, you know, because yeah, as one does. To, to get rid of the evidence. And then she's like, he's dead. And I'm just like, well, that's, that's out of left field. Like, it's completely unexpected. I didn't, and I thought that, yeah, they were going to poke him and he was going to wake up. And then you know how they were taking him to, back to his room. Yeah. Yeah. I was sworn at one stage, I thought he moved and groaned, but it went so fast, just in a flash, that I think it must have been them. I think I know. Him. Yeah. I remember watching it and I was thinking to myself, the actor, must be having fun here because he's just being carried by women and I think yeah there was a point where his head kind of flopped around and I'm figured oh geez this must be like yeah. He needs to be completely like loose because he just he's not supposed to move anything. Well, I say too, wasn't was he so naked funny. as well? Yeah. Now Danielle's question was, did they have sex? Well, apparently they did. Yes. Okay, because he said something like, "You'll still be a virgin for your husband," and we didn't know what well, to take that literally. Well, that confused me. Yes. I think that he was just talking about that if he didn't tell anyone and she didn't tell anyone, oh, okay. how anyone know? Maybe. Well, because I'm thinking, well, you're not going to be if you've done it. 
Well, because well, then, then she then said, like, Matthew are you proposing? And I was like, but he's not proposing because he says, I don't think our families would agree to the match. So I was like, mm, what's going on here? Well, then when Matthew uh, proposed to her, I'm like, keep it, get him away from her. She doesn't hey, do I, it right. The last guy call. died. It's, it's, call. Hang on. Hello. I've called her. Hey. Yeah. Called. This is like Keza in real time. It is. Where did you see that? It's on uh, cnnmoney.com. All right, hang on. I want to... Your car is being recalled. No. All right, I'm back. In the few moments you've been gone, Danielle's car has been recalled for fire risk. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're going to... Well, okay. And and I recommend you sell your house and move, because this person... There are only seven known cases. 81 water pumps blew. (laughs) Is this like the the scandal... (laughs) Yeah. With the, the, the brakes. <laughs> no, Danielle had one of those, and she gave, and we and we turned it in. She was afraid of accelerating to her death, so we got one of these cars. That's what I mean. And they just got recalled. No, hon, I don't have no. Right. It, it says it, the inquiries are on the Cooper S and the John Cooper Works. Okay. I just have a regular plain old Cooper because uh, uh, the Cooper S is the sport, which I don't have, and the John Cooper Works is the really pricey one, which again I don't have. So I don't know if this will really involve me, but you know what? I got to bring my car in for service anyway, so I'll ask them. <laughs> Drive near bodies of water. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, it's awful. The flames up. So Keza, I think you should move because your neighbors will not be happy with you when they realize Lost didn't completely download, and now they have no idea why they're trapped <laughs> in the seventies. Well, see, and, and that was just my husband on the phone, and he's like, "Well, can we reconnect the Wi-Fi?" I'm like, "Well, we have to figure out a way to make it secure." Find <laughs> <laughs> a password. Make it a really tricky. It one. must be secure. <laughs> It's like the wards around the castle. Just run out on your lawn and scream, Protego Maxima. Yantu <laughs> <laughs> Dory, whatever the hell. That, that would be handy. I think we just have to get a technical person in here who knows how to password the, the Wi-Fi. Well, I don't know. Well, use Richard, but you might know my paper is airfare. So you know, like, <laughs> I'm sure we can find someone. Someone a little bit closer, maybe. Yeah, okay. maybe. Anyway, what I was saying was it seems maybe the Earl, I'm blanking on the Earl's name at the moment. I'm, Grantham. I'm, Grantham. Maybe Grantham, he, honey, with a G. Grantham, Grantham, Grantham. We're war with Germany. That guy. Um, yeah. I, he, he seemed to like the library. Every scene was in the library. So I'm like, you'd think he'd have like a, a second library that he uses on Tuesday. Yeah, but see, don't forget, he works from home, and that's his office. What does he do? Yeah, I mean, what exactly. Does he do? He manages the estate. But you say he works from home. Like, where else would he go to work? Like, it's like I love in this in the second episode. Episode, they're like you have a, a job and it's like the scandal of the century like you I know. you have a job oh well i can do the west side on the weekends what it's a hold weekend on. hold on i can't Daniel, what the hell is what is that why is my computer making that noise I don't know. it's like rushing of the sea something dramatic is happening in the gobble of the fire uh, is dumbledore think... about to jump kick harry no bow buttons is they've just arrived oh, and <laughs> is Durham's... that gonna make it difficult to edit because no, the gobble of Dur- the fire is playing in the background no and Durham strike is about to walk in and dumbledore will look scared when they surround him with the, with the fire. <laughs> Hagrid is, is waving the things so that the magical flying coaches can land. <laughs> and and he dives they're up. about to like land on him and he had to dive out the way. <laughs> 
the ground shook. We could be doing a commentary on Goblet of Fire instead of... Anyway. <laughs> we can do both. Still making the noise. You just can't hear it. You know what? I'll hang up on you and call you back. How's that? All right. I wanted to do this for a long time. Shut up. All right. Let's <laughs> call her back. Oh, God. I hear Irish gambin. Yeah, it's, still, it's still there. We'll have to edit around the wishing sea in Irish gambin. Yeah. <laughs> we're recording on a boat. It's the same one Jen got pregnant on. We like to recycle <laughs> up before. So you were saying, what does he do? How does he Lord Grantham? What does he, what do you, no, like, what what? Is, how, how does he Lord Grantham? You know what it is? I picture he stays at home a lot. Like, yeah. I know, like, there's the, all the other little houses on the estate, and, you know, he, he, you know, is involved in that capacity. He's kind of like the, you know, he, he collects money from the, he's the landlord of everybody, so apparently there's correspondence and stuff to do there. But you even get the sense Matthew convinced him to, you know, get involved with, you know, the, the other cottages and, and refurbish them and stuff. So it's like, okay, so before Matthew got there, you weren't doing that. And well, it's the management of these estates is more than about co- like collecting taxes yeah. or anything. Because I was just, I've just been reading um, some Jane Austen stuff, mm-hmm. like set in the same time period, and 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 the people that manage it um, are, are created. It, it's a business in in a way that they have all these people that live there and manage these farms, um, and and they have um, you know either the livestock or the produce to provide and the village is an integral part of that as well mm-hmm. and and they sort of they're they it's like they preside over the whole thing and make mm-hmm. sure that everybody who lives there has the things that they need and and is producing pr- productively in society okay. and so they they make sure like um you know how the hospital is in the village? Right. Yes. And the dowager, you know, Professor McGonagall overlooks that. <laughs> What's that name? The Violet. dowager, you know. The dowager. Cousin it, mean, Violet. It, means, it means Widow. I know, her name is Violet. I had to look up who Cousin Violet was. I'm like, I'm hanging in there as long as I can. Who is Cousin? Oh. It's easy to remember because she always wears purple. Yes, they made it color. Yes, I've purple. noticed. And, oh, the costume. Anyway, and... So the, the nearest I can get is that they also have to look after these people and, and make sure that they're okay. Does that make sense? No, like when they were talking about that doing up the cottages because the people can't afford to do up the cottages because and they're not their cottages. They're just like right. living in the cottage. They don't yes. own the cottage. Like these people don't own any of the land or any of the buildings or anything. Or the roses. They don't own the roses either, but they can enter them into the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean that was the thing in the second episode. It was more of a of a joke, you know. I want to involve you in the running of the state, and he's like, "Well, haha, I actually work for a living, but you know, maybe on the weekends, which is a weekend." It's, so it's it, it was more comedic to make them seem completely out of touch. But the more you get into the episodes, you know, the early ones are um, you know wrapped up in the whole thing about breaking the you know the contract and trying to. Um, save the daughter's money and everything, and he eventually says, "A custodian of the estate. I don't own it. You know, this is something yeah. which I, I'm not going to let it end on my watch. You know, I'm not fighting yep. for it because because the Abbey is more important than our family. And if it goes to Matthew, it goes to Matthew. But as the episodes go on, that episode was you know more f- for the comedic timing of everything because Maggie's method just awesome. But as it goes on, he does." you know, make the job seem bigger than it originally appeared. In the beginning, it was more of a joke. These people downstairs are the ones with the real problems, but, you know, upstairs, they seem like a joke to start, and they are still somewhat jokes as it goes on, but there's there's more meat to their storylines, I think. I never thought that Lord Grantham was a joke. It was more kind of watching his daughters and, <laughs> you know, like, oh, they're kind of silly, but, like, I always... 
I think his character is really interesting. Well, not that he's a joke, but that, you know, just the, the whole problems where you have people who are, you know, they're, they're sleeping in rooms without a lot of light and they're, you know, working around the clock and, you know, yeah. he can just ring a little bell daintily and he has people rushing to him to, you know, they're ironing his papers for him and stuff. And, you know, there's, <laughs> oh, the, pe- yeah, there's yeah. the people, you know, who have the edemas in the hospital who are going to lose everything and you've got, you know, Maggie Smith saying, you know, do they have to bleed on our rugs? And so, you know, I mean, so it's th- there is that degree of upstairs downstairs to it. One of the things that I think is really interesting, and that I'm in a way looking forward to seeing how they address it and how it happens, is that that level of class distinction. I mean, there's still classes in England mm-hmm. or anywhere, but that level of distinction that they started the the show with mm-hmm. is going to be gradually broken down because yeah. that's what happens with World War One and. And by the time you get to World War Two, the distinction between the classes is not as significant as great. And um, one of the things that it was making me think of too was, it's not not just the, the war, but technology right. mm-hmm. is leveling people. Yeah. Um, the, the maid is going to be the secretary because she can learn to type and and, and the the availability of of things. Um, and, and it because the the. The, the serving class now is not the same lower level as they used to be, if that makes sense. It, it like, I'm sure there are still servants. I mean, the Queen probably still has servants. I mean, they'd have to have them. But people are now paid employees. Mm-hmm. They're not indentured in right. the same way. Right. The hierarchy is probably m- more minimal than it used to be back when there was, you know, the butler and then the housekeeper and then all the layers under that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like the like the footmen and the valets, and it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know there were this many titles. I tr- yeah, it's, not, it's the it's um um okay, who's the second footman, the one whose mother dies? William. Uh, William. It's when uh, in I'm horrible with names. I love the show. I'm horrible with names. The eldest daughter. Mary. Uh, when Mary's in the city and her horse is, or in the village and her horse is lame, William, you know, is talking about how, you know, this is what his mother dreamed of him. And she's like, what, to be a second footman? And then she catches herself and apologizes because for him, that is a big deal. It's, yeah. yeah. You know, and, because um, they're above the grooms. Yeah. She's what, like, you like horses? Why don't you just work with the, with the horses? And he's like, well, you know, uh, my mother is really proud of me because I've made, fir- I've made second footman. I might even make first. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> Like, and, uh, and it was like when Matthew Crawley first came mm-hmm. and he he doesn't realize it, but he's like constantly insulting the butler by not letting him do anything. Or was it his valet? I don't remember, but he's it's not letting valid. him put his coat on and this and that. And it's like you're you think you're doing him a favor by you're saying, oh, well, now you have all this time to do all this other stuff. He's like, he doesn't that's have anything else to well, do. Well, then he this makes the comment that's a silly job for a grown man. And then he has to apologize because yeah. he just insulted the guy's life. Well, it reminds me, um, there's an episode of The West Wing. I won't spoil it. But, you know, as one administration is leaving and another one is coming in, the new people are coming in to meet, you know, get the lay of the land to meet the, the household staff and everything. And, and they walk into a room and there's like maids and butlers and drivers and all these people packing this room. And they look over at the, you know, the, the existing staff who's giving them the tour, and they're like, "We don't need all these people working for us." And they're like, "Okay, which ones would you like us to fire?" <laughs> it's yeah. like, is that yeah. some well, that's in the early episodes? Yeah, in the Lord early Grantham episodes, said. right? Who, who are you going to fire? And in the early episodes, when you watch it, it kind of, you know, you see them ironing his newspaper, and you know, the, the 
level of you know just you know splendor that they they're able to live in and you know there's the people down below who are living you know like as indentured servants and it it makes the the rich characters seem you know just 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 like they're missing it and they're, and you know they're, they've got their heads in the clouds and they're not on, like even the comment you know the, the women and the children got off the Titanic well you know the first class women and children he doesn't say it maliciously yeah. but that's just the way things are right. as you get a couple episodes into it you realize that these people see this as a wonderful thing you know that this is a good job that William has he wouldn't want to give this job up his goal one day is to be Carson you know what I mean and, mm-hmm. well maybe yeah. not realistically but that's the thing and, and it, it kind of blends you know in, in the beginning Matthew comes in you know hi, you know high on his horse you know I, I'm not going to live like this and I'll carry my own bags and blah 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 blah, blah. and he doesn't become trite or become ridiculous but he gets that there's nothing wrong with having a butler help me put my coat on and I think right. that's kind of a refreshing yeah. way of looking at it rather than making it be like you have to be a bad guy the well and what's interesting too is like the personal relationships that develop between the servant and the master or however you want to put it like with you know O'Brien and Lady Grantham you know she says like what would I do without O'Brien this and that even though O'Brien's really kind of heinous but whatever um You know, they, they definitely develop, I know, they definitely develop like a personal relationship, which is really interesting because at the end of the day, like they're so much lower on that social hierarchy. And I just find that really interesting. Well, when she comes down and, um, I think O'Brien is mocking, um, Matthew and his mother, Harriet Jones, you know, MP Fly Del North. And (laughs) (laughs) it took me a second to realize that was her at the end of the first episode. And I'm like, if David Tennant is in the next episode, I'm going to become very protective of Harriet because he always screws her over. But, um, you know, when, when she walks in and Corey, and Corey hears it and she's like, you know, we're friends and whatnot. O'Brien later says, we're not friends. She pays me to do a job. I'm not like her. You know, we should be able to have a room where we can talk in their house without, you know, her jumping in yeah. and, and doing whatever so yeah i mean but yeah at the same time you see like the just the in crazy amount of gossip that goes through the house both upstairs <sighs> and downstairs well, I and have, it's just, yeah i i have co-workers who are very gossipy and i love the part <laughs> i think it's where something happens and o'brien looks at thomas fancy a smoke and they like yeah. power walk <laughs> Out of that. She it's gets like, like a letter or something. Fancy smoke. <laughs> well, I think Anna even says that. Oh, I'm done here. Back to conniving, and she like walks out and gives them some space. It's you know what they're doing. And Thomas just reminds me of Rose's fiance on Titanic, whoever that prick was that's chasing her and Jack around the ship. Billy, I, Zane. Uh-huh. Billy Zane. Yeah, yeah. like it just reminds me of that type of character. And even near the later, like in the beginning, he's kind of conniving, and you know everyone kind of gets that he's a jackass, except the. Um, assistant to Molly Weasley down there in the kitchen who thinks he's Daisy. wonderful. Daisy. And <laughs> she, she is Molly Weasley. I'm sorry. The woman's Molly Weasley. But, um... <laughs> She is. Tell me one thing. Mrs. Padmore. She's she's absolutely Molly Weasley. She's Molly Weasley, except for the fact that she's blind or going blind, and she's really mean to Daisy because she's. No, I don't see her as mean. I know she's. But she is. She She, is. No, she is horrible to Daisy. But I don't think that she does it because she's a mean person. She does it because she's scared. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Instead of 
saying I'm scared, I'm worried that I can't do my job, oh, she it's, just it's blames unfair. everything on poor Daisy, it's and Daisy's unfair. like, oh my god, I didn't do anything. But the other thing, too, is I think, I don't think Mrs. Hughes or Carson, any, I don't think anyone believes it's actually Daisy, even though she does at one point almost kill every guest in the in the, in the house, because she yeah, sends up she the, you know, the antifreeze to, to, to pour into the, onto the... I, I, okay, here's two... <laughs> If I lived anywhere in, you know, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, wherever the hell these people are, I would not eat at this house. I would not have sex in this house, and I would not eat in this house. Because if you have sex in the house, you're going to die. <laughs> I would not shower in the house, because you're going to lose a baby. You slip on a baby. <laughs> but seriously, think about this. Like, one group of people, they go in, they almost get the, like, the antifreeze or whatever, because it happens to be in the same container as the actual whatever it was, and they put it side by side, and they put the blind cook in the room. Yeah, what was it? Was it salt? What did she say it was? I can't remember what it was. Which one are you talking about? In the beginning, remember, remember the po- it was the poison, and they stick it on the tray, and, Will- and William comes back down. Did you say two pinches or three? Because she was like, oh, my uh, God. Um, it, it was, um, had to put, did they have to put the salt on it? Was it Because I know they put the salt on the meringue instead of the sugar, but Daisy put yeah. the wrong, yeah, it yeah. wasn't poison. It was for, like, killing the rats or something, wasn't yeah. it? Right, what a yeah, poison. That's you something you'd like to keep right on the table in the jar that looks like the salt, whatever <laughs> it was. But no, like, they almost all get killed, and then, like, a few weeks later or a few years later depending on where we are in the timeline you know they have the salt and the meringue it's like I literally like this restaurant would not stay open <laughs> I mean it's like they've, they've had too many mishaps there uh, yeah so don't have sex in this house don't eat in the house I'm not sure if there's anything else you're not supposed to do don't have a limp in the house because O'Brien will knock you down the flight of stairs oh she's hard. O'Brien is just everyone's tripping around O'Brien that seems to be the mark of her tenure yeah but just, she looks in the mirror and she goes Sarah O'Brien this is not who you are I like, love that moment yeah. they, too late like, you've already done so much damage and they, that's the thing she does so much damage she does so much damage well my thing too was it's she must know Cora's routine because yes she puts the bar of soap there but what if Cora got out on the other side of the top but what if Cora got out and actually looked down to make sure there wasn't something she would slip on you know what I mean but oh that was just heartbreaking when she fell and then the poor husband it was a boy telling Bates it was a boy I was like oh my god this is heartbreaking <laughs> Well, because we're covering on Puffle Exchange, we're also covering Babylon 5, and there's a scene in Babylon 5 where a character makes a mistake, and they do something horrible, and they kind of have that moment where they say, you're not, you know, you can't do this, and they rush back to try and fix the mistake, but it's also too late, you know, not going to spoil anyone who hasn't seen that, but, you know, either it something similar happens or maybe someone else stops it but you know they 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 you you in that show it's a good person does something stupid for a second and that's it here you have a relatively awful person you know depending you know there's shades of gray to her character but a relatively awful person who mm-hmm. thinks she's yeah. about to be fired who thinks you know these snotty rich people not only are they firing her they're like talking about it in front of her right yeah. you know they they they're doing everything but train your replacement and she does something horrible. She's probably not even thinking, oh, she'll lose the baby. She's thinking, this will just hurt her. This will be a horror. You know, I'm just, or maybe she is thinking, you know, she'll lose the baby. But, you know, in that second, she, th- th- I think the most important thing is in that second, she realized she was wrong. And then yeah. to find out when um, yeah. Smith comes up later, oh, you know, she was helping me find a mate to realize they weren't even going to fire you. 
I think the most yeah. important thing is now to see in season two, if she lets it go and she's back outside, you know, smoking next to the ghost of Thomas or whoever's going to be out there, you know, talking to her. <laughs> you know, if she becomes a jerk again, then she's a weak character. But if that changed her, I'd, I'd be interested to see her be someone who's more humbled in season two. I, I mean, think, yeah, I don't think she will change because... I think that that was separate to some of the other things she was doing. Like she wanted to get rid of Bates, mm-hmm. was completely separate. And I don't think that she would change on that score because the things they did to try and get rid of Bates were just completely pretty different. Horrible. Yeah, they're pretty horrible. But de- yeah, but it depends. I mean, th- th- they were trying to get someone fired, whatever, but she caused a woman to lose her child because yeah. over nothing because she was wrong. So I'm wondering, even if it you know, comes down to doing something that hurts someone else, if she'll be able to so readily go back to that. If not, there's hope for her character. If so, you know, at what point is she going to change at that point? I mean... <laughs> yeah, see, that- I don't think she will change. Okay. I think she'll... Because she, even though she said... Because I think that there's a difference between hurting her employer... Yeah. And trying to get rid of Bates, who she just doesn't like. Because she's the one who got all that information on what he'd stolen and everything. Right. And he's he's more of an equal and he he doesn't employ her. And so I think there's a real difference in her mind between what she's doing to Bates and what she's doing to her employer. Mm. And I think that it was more of the these people have employed you, they give you a home, they they feed and clothe you. They give you a employment, meaning for life, etc. Because for for people with in those positions without without a job, you, you know, you don't have the meaning anymore. Like that's what was the problem with Mosley in that if he can't put the coat on Matthew, then he's you know his, his life is not right. anything. Keep in mind too, so, that Thomas is leaving at the same time. Thomas kind of they fueled each other's, you know. Yeah. So but it'll be, yeah, it'll be, yeah. I, I'm wondering if you know the fact that she feels like shit, the fact that she did something horrible, the fact that she said to herself out loud, "This isn't who you are." Well, she didn't go with that, and the fact that Thomas is leaving, and the fact that maybe there's a war on. At some point, will this will something kind of nudge her in one direction? Because I think you're going to see all the characters play like a nudge. I mean, Thomas yeah. is going off to, to war, you know, in the medical service. You know, I'm assuming the the fact that there's a hospital in the town. You know, Harriet Jones will be all. You know, working on stuff. I'm sure Maggie Smith will want to ignore the war or just send a check and keep going to high tea. So, I'm, you know, I'm sure everyone will <laughs> kind of have their own thing going I on here. I think Mary, Mary and Edith, I think, will be interesting to see because I was really, I was starting to like Mary because she annoyed me. Yes. And, I felt, I and then I felt sorry for Mary. Um, a bit more and I was being more sympathetic to her because at first when, you know, she had that incident with Pamuk, I thought, well, you get what you, you know. So she will right. never fool around again. You don't get past and, that. And then what really, and I thought, okay, and then she's she's being dumped by all these guys and then and then I started feeling sorry for her because this rumor was going around and it was true and, and all this stuff. But then she turned to that Edith's dude, right. Sir What's-His-Face. Yes. The guy who didn't and blink. Just, yes. And just cut her down and, and said how she you know and so Edith missed out and I was just so I felt a real and I'm I'm not even finishing sentences because I can't remember the guy's name <laughs> no I only yeah we, no, but the thing the, the guy thing who didn't blink but, but you know bothering, what bothering no the thing that was bothering me about Mary too is that um 
and I'm sorry, I can't remember who had this line, but someone says to me, oh, I think it's her father. He goes up to Cora and he says, Mary thinks that if she throws away a toy, it will still be there when she comes back. And it's like, yes. she wants to just throw men around like, well, right now I like you, but wait, I'm going to be done with you for a second so I can go flirt with this guy so that Edith will lose out. Did it seem abrupt? And it's yeah. like, it was just really bothering me. I'm like, you are so shallow. Did it seem And then there were times when, Mary, when she wasn't. When Mary... Yeah. started liking Matthew. Did that seem abrupt? Because if you remember in the first episode, he she walks in on Matthew and Harriet Jones talking and she leaves in the huff and, and they're kind of on the outs in the next episode. I, like, I thought they were going to get to it quicker because, you know, it's that classic foot in the mouth thing. Oh, they're going to saddle me up to this filly and she's like standing right there. I don't know if that was the line, but... And it was going to be one of those classic foot in mouth things where they actually look at each other and think, oh my goodness, I love you. But they can't get past this initial thing, this right. idiotic thing that he'd said. And I actually thought it took a while, but. It did kind of. I thought it was kind of gradual. Well, no, there was. A mo- was am I thinking of the same thing? There was something that happened. Or maybe it was Matthew caring about her. Maybe that that happened abruptly. But you have to remember that this two, years, two years have passed. There was just, and- but I hadn't noticed that much time was passing. Because th- I think the, the, the point point where I know this this is we're moving on to the good clip was when Bate said I've been here two years and then in the next so episode, he said I've been here a year I've been no I thought it was two no it's two he said two, it was two years it was two did he say two yeah and then in the next episode you know William's told to go see his mom then in the next episode they're talking about how she's already died I so, but I wanted though because the first episode it says April it was really funny it says April 1912 on the first episode right. I'm like oh I wonder if the Titanic's gonna sink <laughs> <laughs> Moments later. And I was like, wow. And then they didn't have any more dates on there until episode five, which right. was May 1914. Yep. So all that stuff, I'm like, I wish they had to put a few more dates on there because then they put another one that's July. And so you jump from May to July and yet Thomas's mother's died and, and not Thomas Williams' mother's died and everything. I got the two of them confused all the time. Thomas William, which is which. Anyway, the guy. The Thomas dude. is a prick. William is not. That's right. And and I think that they could have made either filmatically, if that makes sense. You know how in Prisoner of Azkaban you can tell what the season is because they change the Whomping Willow. They yes. just have that little yeah. scene. Yep. Downton Abbey is always in the summer. Yes, I know. We haven't seen the seasons change. We they, they, It never rains there, which is really weird. Because I was going to say, it's always sunny. <laughs> well, it's actually it's, reminding me of the movie. Never snow. If you've ever seen it, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, where the, the the movie starts with, you know, Morgan Freeman is the is the driver for, I can't remember who the actress was, but after a while... Wasn't you, it Jessica Tandy? Jessica Tandy. And after a while, you realize that years have passed between scenes, and it took me a while watching that to figure it out. I think you could probably tell by Dan Aykroyd's receding hairline throughout the movie. But I think when it begins, she's like 70, and then at one point she's 95. Then in one scene, Morgan Freeman hasn't driven in 15 years. So it, it, it's, it's yeah. moving at a really fast clip. And it took me a while to catch that. So I think once I caught that, now I'm curious, like in you know season two, I don't know anything about it. Will it take place over 10 years? I mean, the, the thing too is I looked up a thing because I was trying to figure out uh, Maggie Smith. Uh, or I was trying to tell, figure out who Cousin Violet was from the moment that Matthew makes the comment about I can handle Cousin Violet. And she walks in saying, well, that must be a newly found trait. So I looked up who Cousin Violet was to realize it was her, and it said she was born in 1850. I'm like, okay, so that means she's 62 in the first season. In the, mm-hmm. well, the first scene, yeah. she's 62. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, Maggie Smith, God love her. She, like, she's 
She's so, long past. She, no, she's seventy six, <laughs> but she looks like she's about eighty six. Like she, she's spry, but she looks. She, she looks older than sixty two. She, lo- she looks very old. So I'm wondering, you know, they could bring it to like nineteen forty five and catch up with Maggie Smith. Oh, really. honey. No, but she's. But they could have her. You know what I mean? They no, no, no. They could jump at thirty years ahead and have her play someone who's you know going on ninety. I mean, they could certainly really yeah. extend it. But then at some point, you're going to have everyone in pot bellies and you know gray hair. It's, <laughs> I'm wondering how far they're going to extend it. Are they going to show us at some point Downton Abbey in, in the current day? Like, are they going to, how far are they going to take this? It's just something. Well, I don't know, but I certainly hope they stick with this cast for a while because it's such a great cast. Right. Yeah. I, although I um, find, I find Cora's accent really bizarre because. Is it real or fake? I don't know. I, I, she sounds. Is the really, actress American? I believe she's what? American. She's American, but she's, but it said that she's been living in the UK for a while and she's been doing, doing a lot of theater in the UK. Yeah. Okay. And I'm wondering if she's picking up a UK accent and now she's trying to hide it. I don't know, but there are certain words that she says and I'm like, where are you supposed to be from? Because I can't, I can't figure it out. Well, I'm finding she's out. Like, she doesn't sound like, she no. sounds at sometimes like she's from Texas. She sounds I, very strange. I, the first time I saw her on the thing, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm really looking forward to seeing her ladyship. I'm like, oh, she's going to be this lovely, you know, English person because um, <laughs> you know, and she, and I have to say my first instinct was to cringe because she came out with this American accent and it sounded so wrong in the setting yeah. and I was like what? Well, Danielle leaned over to me she's supposed to be American right I'm like yes that's not a really crappy British accent she's in fact supposed to be American <laughs> I was yeah, like, oh, and thank it, goodness. Was just, it was a really grating even when she talks now I, I find it really grating in the series with everyone else because Maggie Smith is there with her, oh. her she's fabulous yeah. well, I, every time I picture her I'm picturing her saying and the Yule Bowl I was thinking about her. No, I was thinking about Maggie Smith the other day, and I was just thinking how she pronounces every word perfectly. Like, I think it was when she said the word prematurely. She was like, prematurely. I'm like, she just says it so sophisticated. And it's the what. What the what sound or what is a weird yes. thing, and just the way that she speaks, and and the, and then even the downstairs people, they the, the different ways that they say mm. everything, and then Cora comes in, it's like, it's like oh, well, it's interesting because I know some people who like actors who have lived in the United, like actors who have lived in the United States for twenty years, and they're from the UK, and they still have you know a, a perfect you know English accent, but then they go home for a few years and they come back, and I can't understand them because their accent has gone so much thicker. Danielle moved to New York. For a year, she lost her Boston accent. I, you know, some American actors who have moved to London. I listen on interviews, and I can't understand a word they're saying. Like, I, I'm wondering if at this point, if Cora should sound more English because it's she's been there. Well, for- I know. But, well, hey, yeah, she's been there long. I was just going to say, I know, I know a couple of Americans who've been here a while. They still sound American. Yeah, so I think it maybe depends on the person. Well, and I love it. Once, uh, she, isn't it Mary? Some- Mary says, oh, my God, you're American. What do you know? I'm like, she yeah. said that to her own mother. <laughs> well, I love She that. does. She goes, she's in English. Well, I love <laughs> oh, how Maggie's... Yeah, you're half American. Cora's like, we could always send Mary to to the United States, to America. And Maggie Smith is like, it's, we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not that desperate. <laughs> no, well, you know, the funniest thing... I was watching that. That reminds me of the bit where they're, they're worried about what are they going to do with Mary. I love how these two women are on now on the same page. Right. They've obviously yeah. always been at. They're now on the same page with well, practically everything. Um, and well, even though I, I honestly think Cora was being really. Um, 
she was just playing along with it, the way that Maggie Smith was talking about um, the thief servants, you know, and she's like, oh, yes. And she was being so, you know, that fake yes. sympathy. I'm just like, she's, she, anyway, the bit I really like, they're worrying about what we're going to do with Mary. Well, we'll just have to take her abroad. We'll, we'll take her to Italy. There's always some Italian you can find. <laughs> <laughs> well, There's always some Italian you know, in this situation who's not picky. <laughs> we could go to the, we, we could visit New York. Oh, please, they all live in wigwams. And it took me a second. Oh, my God, she thinks we're all Native Americans. Oh, right. Like, I think I think that was the other line you were trying to think of. Remember, she says something about how <laughs> when you walk down the aisle, like we. Oh, she has that line about half their li- lives are hidden. Yeah, something like that. When you walk down the aisle, which I thought was a great line. Well, the, the, what, the other bit I really liked. Speaking of the American bit, was she sits down and she goes to visit Matthew. Cousin Violet goes to visit Matthew, and she sits down in this chair that swivels. <laughs> the swivels. <laughs> And she's like, oh, and he says, oh, it's American. She's like, I'm continually battling with Americans or whatever. Before I make you another chair. No, it's all right. I'm a good sailor. Yeah. Well, like, oh, <laughs> some some new invention. He's like, no, it was invented by Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> well, the thing I love about it is, you now you picture Cora in the middle of the night. She's carrying dead bodies through the, the corridors of, of the Abbey of Downton, and you're picturing. You know, I, my first thought was, what would Maggie Smith's character, cousin Violet, you know, the count, what would she have done if this were you know 30 years before and this were during her during her reign? And all I can picture is Maggie Smith is in a movie called Keeping Mum, which is essentially like a mm-hmm. dark. Mary Poppins, where you know Maggie Smith is is the is the woman who comes you know to to stay with his family and like if someone's bothering them she'll walk outside and like beat them over the head with a pan and like bury them in the backyard like and then she'll come in a spot of tea anyone I'm picturing like would she like I honestly think she would go down there and she would like drag the body single handedly down the flight of stairs by herself because that's just the type of character. Well, I actually liked that scene because I think it almost that you you, you sense that she and Cora are, are getting along and they mm-hmm. they've got the same goal in mind with the entail and so on. Well, why there's yeah. a child screaming behind me. They've stepped on Lego. Anyway, um, and and then she gets this letter and she goes, please tell me, is, is any of it true? Oh, and of course, Cora so can't good. deny it. And I loved that scene and, and she's, Cora's sort of basically just resigned to, well, you know, she's basically like, well, I had to minimise the damage and yeah. they're talking about it and I love the line where Maggie Smith goes, they're talking about moving through the corridors and she's like, well, you know, she didn't drag her. Oh, I wondered about that. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's a very long way to drag someone. <laughs> and and then she comes around and visits her the next time and, and says, you're right. I would have done the same thing yeah. as you did. Even though at first she's like, I can't believe you did this. And she's like, yep. you know what? We would have done the same thing. And I felt it's cemented. Right. Don't punch your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and she slapped me. Oh, dearie me. Go and get an ice block. Go and get an ice block. Go and get an ice block. Oh wow, that was. <laughs> oh, I'm having a little Sorry. Here. <laughs> um. I, I, anyway, take that out because then I, <laughs> I feel like it really cemented their their relationship when yeah. they were on the same page. I would have done exactly the same thing as you. I would have, you know, had to have hidden this and and they were both on the same page. Well, Robert doesn't know. No. Oh, thank goodness he can't know. You <laughs> yeah, know. He can't know. <laughs> Well, you have to wonder too if she like jumped back in time thirty years. Now, her what is her title? It's Dowager Count. Dow- 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 she's no longer married. Yeah, to the it's, it's like Emeritus or um, like widowed, you know, yeah, like former. When you look at her role, she probably sees herself as this very prestigious, you know, lady of, of Downton, and now she's 
giving now that her husband is you know is deceased her son will take over now she's going to be moved you know to the only 118 room cottage next door and whatnot and she <laughs> has to be looking at Cora like she's one of the clampets now granted she has money but she's from America so you can tell in the beginning even though you know she's you know very prestigious and so forth she had to have really looked at Cora like the enemy. So you wonder how long, and you could tell they had that very frosty relationship even in the first episode, so you wonder how long it's taken them to come to the point where they're like, yeah, you're right. We'll have done the same thing. Well done. Yeah. Over 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometime, then, like, sometime between episodes one and four. And then in that last episode of the season, they're like buddy-buddy chatting about like hiring a new maid, and it's just yeah. really funny. You see how friendly they are. And she's like, she's like, like, like how selfish she she wants to leave Jeff. <laughs> it's just the way they talk. I, I, I've, I've always been just I've been wonderful to her most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I'm not very high maintenance at all. No, no I'm, I'm I'm wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, the, and the other thing, the other relationship that I notice is is changing is. Harriet, I'm calling her Harriet Jones as well, but Harriet Jones and cousin Violet. What's what? Who is her? What is it? A Matthew's mum. What's her name? I don't even know. Uh, uh, they they just call her like, Lady Crawley. Isabel, is it Isabel? Lady Crawley. Is it Isabel? Isabel? Is it Isabel? Isabel? Anyway, whatever. Well, it sounds great. And they're sitting in the the, the drawing room, and yeah. and you can see they're both mm, with their pursed lips, and they're I don't yeah. like you at all. And and they're caught commenting on Matthew and and Mary, and mm-hmm. I really don't see why you have told her. To, to discard Matthew sort of thing. I didn't do that. That was my daughter. You know, I told her to take him. Oh, really? <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, oh, they've really, really stuffed it up now and they're both agreeing on something <laughs> for a change. Well, what I loved about the two of their characters is I've gotten a couple of people to watch the show and I show them the scene when when Isabella first meets Violet when they're, when they're coming for dinner, you know, for the first time. And I'm like, okay, look at Maggie Smith. She thinks they're the Clampets. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how far removed they are. That's that's how I set up the scene. And in the beginning, it's like, you know, every time, you know, Isabella opens her mouth, you know, Maggie Smith is, re- is ready with a retort. Oh, money. Oh, this. Well, because remember, she walks in and she's like, what should we call each other? She's like, well, why don't we start with Lady Grantham <laughs> and Lady Crawley? Like, yeah, that's Mrs., it. Mrs. Craw- Mrs. Crawley. Mrs. Crawley. Yeah, in yeah. the beginning, that you know, Harriet Jones is trying to be so kind and, and, you know, not let it bother her and not snap and, you know, just be very nice. Yeah. And, and Maggie Smith is just poking her. You can tell that by episode, I think it's six or in, near the end, when they're sitting in those two chairs, the scene you just described, and, and, um, Isabel makes a comment. Maggie Smith rolls her eyes. Oh God, what have I done now? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like they're old roommates. Oh damn. What the hell did I do today? And then she gets, then she has the best line, I think, of the entire first season when she explains explains the whole situation and then says, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> we had to rewind that and watch it like three times because watching watching her say that was just hysterical. Well, I'm waiting it's for- like the same moment as when you blow it up, Mr. Yes. <laughs> <Lockbottom>. Boom! Boom. <laughs> well, wondering- it just came out of nowhere and she just delivers it so well, perfectly. I'm waiting for the scene where like she'll say something like that and you know Isabel will just look back at her and, and Maggie Smith will just be like, snop, and then get up and well, walk out of the room. It's the like- funniest thing is, is I, I really think that Maggie Smith's character is becoming the comic relief of the show because she's so... Watching her say those lines is just so funny. Every line she <laughs> (laughs) she has on the show is like 
It's like, comedic. She breaks well, the tension. Like every sing- like I I think she's one of those performers that like she'll I, I picture her reading the script once, putting it down, and she just she nails every single line. Yeah. And like even if you look at her, you know, um, filmography for the last two years on IMDb, it's every year she's doing two or three films, and she fit like chemo in there somewhere. Yeah. So you know she's like I think she's more active than probably she's ever been, and she's just nailing everything that she she touches she's she's absolutely uh, awesome it was actually oh yeah, interesting she can do no wrong I one mean, of the intros on uh, pbs was it was a commercial for downton abbey and they referred to it as maggie smith leads an all-star cast <laughs> and it's like i wouldn't picture violet to be the main character under by any exaggeration here but yeah she just uh, i found where um elizabeth mcgovern is from who plays cora <laughs> yeah illinois she was born in yeah. illinois yeah. and she moved to los angeles um later on and she started acting in plays while attending the Oakwood School in North Hollywood. But she's from Illinois, and she moved to um, California. I'm noticing that more. I think it's something that's always happened, but I'm just becoming more and more cognizant of it. I was watching an episode of Fringe. Danielle looks at me. The lead character, Australian. I'm watching an episode of Unforgettable. Lead character, Australian. I'm watching an episode of Boss, which stars Kelsey Grammer, who plays the mayor of Chicago. He's talking to his daughter. His daughter, and at one point the daughter is running, and she's doing this very active scene, and she shouts something, and it's clearly with an English accent. So I look up the actress; she's British. It, it's just—it's really interesting how many shows try and you know, the, the, like or um, Leah Dama from Battlestar Galactica was was English, and he played someone who clearly wasn't. Well, a lot of times they'll try and hide the accent. Hugh, or, Hugh Laurie does it the best, right? But I I just think it's refreshing. They're like, oh yeah, she's from New York. <laughs> It's not like they're like, oh, yeah, she's... Yeah. Yeah. You know what it is, though? I think, like, what what Kezel was saying, her accent is kind of jolts you a little bit, but it's also, like, there's something with her voice that kind of grates at my nerves. It's like the... Yeah. She I don't know if it's a voice like, or... childish sometimes, the way yes. she says things, and I'm like, what is it? I don't know if that's the actress and how she actually speaks. I don't know if that's just how she's playing the character, but I don't know. I've not seen know. her anything else. But yes, it's not just the accent, it's the way that she's speaking. It seems very childish. Yes. And it, it, it's in great contrast to the very polished and mature voice, for yes. example, of Maggie Smith. Even of her husband and her daughters. Hers, in contrast, seems like very breathy. Yes. Or something. Like, they're very, you know, I am British <laughs> and I am very solemn and we will do this. Yeah. And it's very precise and, you know, the, the, she's closest to voice she has is almost to Daisy who's very, oh, you know, yeah. and she's almost yeah. the same. She doesn't command, and I don't know if this is on purpose, and it might be on purpose to, to show a difference. She doesn't command the same sort of presence that the other characters do. She seems really wishy-washy to me. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the other characters, you have Violet, who is supposed to it's, – it's like every time she comes in, you think like the Queen's music should come on because that's just the character <laughs> she is. And you've got you know the Lord uh, – you've got the Earl who – you know, he, he's got his own presence there and he's, he's almost like the everyday man who happens to be, you know, the, the Earl of, of, of the, like, there's even the scene where Maggie Smith is power walking next to him. Do you have to act like you're better than all of us? Well, you know, I, I may just be better than all of you. you know? <laughs> like, it's like, so he's, he's got that type of role where he's just a good guy. He sends the cook off to have her cataracts, you know, taken care of. And, and mm-hmm. he's, he's just relatively a good person. And then you've got Matthew who isn't from this world and he's being thrust into it. So his, so his, you know, 
presence and that of um, of Harriet Jones is is also you know abnormal. And when you think about, it, there's not really another character who I think is supposed to have that huge presence. Then you have the three girls who are kids essentially, you know, according mm-hmm. to the plot. So I think it's I think Cora's presence. There's nothing to really judge her by. It's not like mm-hmm. you know she goes to like her monthly you know, wife of the Earl meetings, and you get to see her, you know, <laughs> next to everybody else, so it's kind of hard to judge her, maybe. I, I guess I just don't feel like she has the same weight that I think she should have as that person in that house. She's her ladyship, and she just seems to flit <laughs> through the through the the show, and it doesn't feel like she ever puts her foot down. She ever stands in the one spot, like Harriet Jones will be really, I am here and we will all listen to me. Right. And I feel like Cora just sort of floats through, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm here, and floats hard yeah. again. And she doesn't seem to have the same presence, and I don't know if it's the if it's deliberate. I don't know if it's this, the actress. I don't know if it's the way the character's written. I I just don't feel like she's there. I feel like her one defining moment that stands out for me is when she – stands up to Violet and says, you may want me to disown my daughter, but I won't. And then that's really like the only time she's made like this very strong statement about how she will not disown Mary, despite the fact that, you know, she's done something pretty awful in those times. You know, obviously what what she did, if it was today, it wouldn't matter. But like, you know, back then that was a big deal. And she says, no, I'm not going to disown her despite that. And uh, I mean, that was probably a pretty hard decision. I may want to, but I'm not going right. to do it. But I mean, yeah. well, the thing is, too, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're wondering if it's if it's the actress. I think if the, the role had been cast differently, if you had an actress who had more of a presence, I think she, regardless of how it was written, she would have brought that to the role. Mm. And like, I'm even thinking about here, there's the in, the, in the early episodes, she wants her husband to fire Bates and she's knitting or something and, and he's like, stop stirring the pot. And she's like, <laughs> like, you know, she, she has yeah. an agenda, but she's in no position to say, okay, Bates is out. She doesn't have that type of power. And even later on when yeah. um, they joke about firing O'Brien, not realizing O'Brien's in the room, it's pretty much, I think it's implied it's Cora's decision to fire O'Brien. And, you know, the Lord may agree, or the Earl may agree with it, but it's, it's implied it's her decision. But yeah, she, I mean, uh, even in the, in the early episodes, it's almost implied like it's his house. It's his. No, I see that's also, I think no, I think it's the other way when they're talking about O'Brien because uh, that he says about him firing O'Brien, like Cora wouldn't fire her. It would be Lord Grantham that fires her. Well, I thought it went like, the other way. Like, I have to check. Okay. No, because because he's standing at the window and they're mm-hmm. talking about Thomas right. and she's brushing her hair or whatever and. And the and the comment is made by one of them about how they're both in it together or what whatever the, the issue was was right. it the snuff box I think yeah it was the snuff box and yeah. she's saying you need to check more carefully oh, no that was at the flower show when we're talking about but 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 at one point Lord Grantham says so you want me to fire Bates then um fire Bates O'Brien like Cora couldn't do it it had to be her husband who, no but it wasn't it implied Bates. like earlier on someone said there was a there was a conversation about firing O'Brien and Cora's like I could never bring myself to do it i think well, it's I, yeah i mean he might sign the paperwork but it's pretty much established i think yeah but at the end of the day she she waits on she waits on cora and that's it right yeah but i think i think the protocol actually is because um the she, cora comes down to the kitchen a couple of times with the with the recipes and stuff and she's the one who's in charge of conferring with mrs hughes about what the menu's going to be and all that sort of thing and so mm-hmm. technically cora's in charge of the household 
But at the end of the day, it was Lord Grantham who called up Mrs. Patmore to tell her he was sending her off to get her cataracts fixed. Right. At the end of the day, he has to say, he's the one who does the hiring and firing, even if Cora has said to him, I want you to fire O'Brien. She won't do it. He will. That's how it works. Well, I wonder if it's kind of like, you know, the White House. If there's a maid that's not getting on, you know, if the president says fire, that's it. You wonder if the first lady, quote unquote, has the power to do it, (laughs) even though, you know, the president would probably have to direct the staff. But I'm sure. Well, that's the question. Well, I don't don't think it's it's not the same because it's that class thing. No, I know. suffragette movement and everything the women actually don't have a say and that's right yeah and it's not done by the women the women do the charity work they don't do the hiring and firing even if they're the ones who've sat there and said because i mean his mother has says all these sorts of things but she has no power to actually that's true too because right in the beginning because mary can inherit the the um title right in the very beginning yeah cora's money got wrapped up in the estate so that and so although it could be all the well it has to be all the women in his life because he's you know he's the lone man in this sea of women that he would take influ- imp- what's the word he would hear things that they're saying right. and they would tell him what they want and stuff but they can't actually do it because yeah, well, yeah it's probably just established they don't, yeah. they don't have the power to actually do it even though he might do it on their say so right that's they probably, can't yeah. actually call O'Brien in and fire her it has to be him right because he's the boss yeah because you all you, you wonder that as well because um, Carson doesn't have the power to fire Bates that has to go no. to, the, to, the, to the lordship and also the fact that like by the end of it Thomas was getting ridiculous in the beginning he was you could tell he was a jerk but he kind of did it you know in the shadows and he was he, he put on this phony sweet serial by the end of it he was ready to jump ship he knew the war was coming by the end of it he did everything but like start beating up the maids in the hallway oh I mean, he's God, coming yeah. in mocking you know um, William's dead mother and he was just a ju- even to the point where he got into it where when William got into the fight with him and Carson pulled them apart he like kind of patted William on the shoulder like well done <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's like by the end he was just such a prick and I, one of the things oh. I think is interesting is you know firing O'Brien firing Thomas is it more difficult to fire someone who knows everything about you knows your secrets knows your routine knows everything about you how much stuff do they overhear in the hallways how many dead bodies do they see you carrying across the floor <laughs> three o'clock in the morning i mean they, they literally know where the bodies are you know literally and so that's yeah. an interesting bit of it too yeah I, I just think it's really interesting that um despite all the evidence like there's all this evidence there that you can tell characters that are good from characters that are bad. Like this is more so with the, the staff, in that even though there's all this evidence against Bates and there's none against Thomas because he's too slippery, they all still know, and the audience mm. still knows who is a good man. And no one believes that Bates is actually a thief. And Anna goes and finds out, you know, because she doesn't believe it, and 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 Carson doesn't believe it because he doesn't do anything with all this evidence that he so called has. And Lord Grantham doesn't do anything with it because he's like, well, I don't believe it's true. Yeah, and uh, you can tell. You, whereas Thomas, oh yeah, I believe that from him. You know, what shall we get rid of him now or later? Right. <laughs> you know, you can tell who's a good person and who's not. And I just wonder is. Can we do that in real life? Well, I kind of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I like, assumed that, to, to be honest, I assumed that Bates did do the things in his previous life that he was accused of. Like I it, yeah. it wouldn't bother. Like I wouldn't be bothered by the fact that maybe he's a character who uh, who's been in prison, had a bad time, and has reformed as a result of it. And I was waiting. Yeah. There was an episode of The West Wing where um, someone very prominent, someone who was being nominated to the Supreme Court, played by Admiral Adama, by the way, from Galactica, gets pulled over <laughs> drunk, uh, driving drunk. The, uh, the cops 
pull him over driving drunk is he's about to be nominated. So the White House staff are, are desperate to get him out of jail and, and cover this up before it hits the papers because it would be ruinous. And you find out he's Hispanic. The, the character is Hispanic. And they just saw a Hispanic guy and they pulled him over and they just assumed he was up to no good because of his race. And when they said while well, he was driving drunk, they said he has a medical condition. If he drinks, he dies. And I was waiting for them to say that Bates also had some type of condition because they said when he was like, you haven't seen me take one drop of alcohol. I was waiting for him to be like, because, you know, I have that thing where I'll die. If I <laughs> like I was waiting for there to be think- even more proof that he didn't do it. And he was holding on to it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I wondered when he was talking to Anna and she's like, please tell me you don't have a wife. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh please tell me I'm married. And he's like, I was married. I'm like, is that he's no longer married? Like, I'm thinking we're going to see his wife next, you know, in the next few episodes. She's going to turn up like a bad penny and throw everyone into chaos. And I just feel so sorry for Anna right. and, and, and for Bates too, I guess, because obviously he's got some kind of kleptomaniac wife who <laughs> he did time for and, and, and he doesn't know where she is and they can't do anything. And whoever that idiot was who interrupted their kiss, I don't know. I've been waiting for them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I just, she's going to turn up this wife. Was it Vera? She's yeah, going to throw it in chaos. And- I bet it was Vera from Cheers. I was going to say, Norm's that's Norm's wife. Who Norm's you, wife. you never see. It's probably the same, the same moment. Vera Maris. Well, the thing that, that's difficult for the show is because now we know there can be months between every episode. From the point where you find out that um, Bates reveals that he has a past where he was in prison to the point where, you know, his lordship still hasn't made up his mind. I'm like, dude, it's been eight months. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like years yeah, have passed. But I mean, apparently, women take you know many months to give an answer to a marriage proposal. So you know, you know what though? I was and you know how I was talking about Mary before, and I just want to go back to that. You know how I was feeling? She's just like a tease. She's not yeah. worthy of my sympathy, and she's being mean to poor Edith. And and then um, I felt a bit sorry for her, and then and I felt really back and forth on the two of them because then Edith wrote that nasty letter right and i was like oh you nasty mean thing but then mary hit back at her and stuffed up her proposal i'm like ouch so i think the actresses are doing a really good they job. are I'm, and i'm in the very really forgi- i'm in a very forgiving mood when i'm watching this because yes o'brien caused cora to lose her baby but in fairness she did feel bad and tried to stop it so like i'm like <laughs> that makes it all okay and the but other mary thing- and edith are going at each other and they don't feel bad and they don't care that they're hurting each but other danielle was so mad ruining and their then, lives. You, then you have sybil who's just caring about women's rights and she gets her, her maid like a, a job and she's going to raise her social status. And I'm like, yeah, Sybil. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love, I love, I love when the Earl's like, I want, I, he's like, I can't go in my library because one of my maids is on a job. And they're like, damn it. And he turns around because obviously there's no other libraries in this house. If you notice. The, you know, so. but, but the thing that I found was I just, part of it was like when, when Cora got pregnant, I'm like, oh, it's so going to be a boy. I didn't, ex- I yeah. didn't, I didn't see that it was going to be miscarriage. I'm like, oh, poor Matthew and I felt bad for Matthew because he's uprooted his life he's changed his whole life done things he doesn't want to do as a sense of obligation of duty he's come to love the place um, Mm -hmm. and appreciate the place at any rate and he's fallen in love with Mary and Mary we assume has fallen for him and the thing is that, that, that he doesn't know is the reason she didn't say yes was because she can't say yes without telling him about Pamuk but of course he doesn't know that so for him, it's all wrapped up in this baby, which then, and, and I think it was Maggie Smith who said she can't, he's not going to accept her. If she doesn't accept him when he's poor, he doesn't want her when he's rich. Right. right. And I'm like, that is so true. But the other and end 
if it changes, if she accepts it, say she accepts it, and then the baby's born, and the baby's a girl. Yeah. She's, then wouldn't he always wonder, you know, well, would you have left me if it was a boy? I mean, it's true, too, that, you know, by not giving an answer, she wasn't ready. That also was demonstrative of the fact that, that that was also demonstrating the fact that, you know, she's trying to do the right thing, too. But there's, there's, you can double think that one to death. There's no way you can, you can figure that out. But because he doesn't know that the reason she's hesitated in the first place was not because of well, what if the baby's a boy? Like, well, well, because the reason she first didn't give the answer was because she didn't know how to tell him or if she could tell him about Pamuk. So she was like, that's dishonest, blah, blah, blah. So she doesn't yeah. do it. And then Cora gets pregnant. So then she's like, well, I can't give an answer now. But she's still thinking about Pamuk. And he's thinking, well, because what if the baby's a boy? And the whole thing. And then, of course, the baby was a boy. So then there's no way that she can now accept because he's going to be oh, like, well, you're just saying it now because the baby's, you know. And the whole thing is just so convoluted and so but it makes sense i mean no if, if, yeah if you, it makes sense but there's no answer there's nothing you know it all comes back to she should have should not have let that dude in her room and to me that all comes back to thomas who you know right. because he's the one who took him and, and all his things that the, the the relationship that he was hiding with who was it the duke of something or other yeah that duke guy. and he got rejected by the duke and all of that kind of stuff and I'm really actually they didn't revisit revisit Thomas's orientation in the second half of the first season. Which... Other than the fact that you know, like she, they're literally grabbing Daisy by the side of the head. He's not a ladies' man. Oh, that's good. Yeah, whatever. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Go on about your business. Off the radar. I, I felt just... like it just dropped off the radar, and I was like, I yeah. guess it wasn't part of the story. But I just was kind of like, oh. I just love gonna... that the cook. Yeah, I love that the cook is is very aware of it. Like, no, he's not a ladies' man, and Daisy's like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so interesting, and uh, the poor girl when she when she's because she knows about things. She's in Mary's room. She drops all the fire irons, and then she talks about the dead Mister Pamuk, and I was like, "Oh, you silly girl!" And she doesn't know what she's just said. The poor girl, and everything. <laughs> yeah, she's well, uh, drawn love- the line for O'Brien, who's managed to piece the pieces together. I love the scene where um where Cora and where Mary comes to Cora and says, "He asked me to marry him," and there's this great happy music in the background and this will you know don't <laughs> pretend this will solve all of her problems and it's this great mother-daughter moment and then she's like but i have to tell him about pramuk and the music stops and Cora yeah. is like oh and like you can hear it like because it happened yeah. to me too in her mind she's going crap i forgot about that <laughs> Like it's like, almost like, doesn't she have some kind of line that's like, do you really have to? Well, it sounds <laughs> like someone like literally sweeps their hands down the piano. It's like, oh, crap, I forgot about that. Well, I the thing that kept happening to me is I kept thinking when they were saying Pramuk, I kept thinking they were saying the Mook. And I'm like, is that like a derogatory term about Turks or something? Like, Danielle's like, Pramuk. His name was Pramuk. <laughs> Kamal. Kamal. She well, and doesn't, Kamal um, doesn't Maggie like, Smith, she has like this great line about, um, she's like, well, how many people go to the Turkish embassy? Like, not really anybody. <laughs> well, she, well, doesn't she have a line too? Where she's like, she's like, um, you know, they're all in mourning when Mary runs up. Like, you, 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 if we got this upset every time a foreigner died, we should get nothing done during the day. <laughs> oh, then the line is like, you know, typical of foreigners. The the, the 
British would never dream die in someone else's house. Someone else's house? (laughs) It's it's like every line she says was awesome. Oh, my knee is cracking. This is not good. That's not good. This is my knee that I just had surgery on, and it's weird. Anyway. I really want them to put the line in here somehow. The hell with Bate. What? (laughs) And his rules. Remember uh, Goblet? You're watching Goblet of Fire in real time. You just heard it. Oh, yeah. No, Ron has just... um, just ask Fleur to, to the your ball. You know, I love it when they walk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it when they walk. <laughs> just sort of slipped out. Right. He sort of screamed at her. It was a bit frightening. Speaking of English people, speaking of English actresses with very little presence. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fleur, look, it's okay. That, that role didn't really need a lot of that. No, I was talking about Ginny. <laughs> oh. I was watching, I had, um, I threw on some of Chamber of Secrets a couple of weeks ago, and I just in the background, and there was the scene where Hermione comes back to the Great Hall at the end, and Sir Nicholas says hello to her after she's been unpetrified. Yeah. And all I can picture is, okay, there's a wall behind you. In, in Deathly Hallows, we could see straight out to the mountains from here, so obviously they blew out that wall between movies. <laughs> Uh, uh, it kills him, kills him. But that's a non-commentary. That's so, <laughs> so, a Harry Potter one. <laughs> exactly. So what else do we have on Downton Abbey here? What other things haven't we talked about? Um, well, I, mm, I don't know. I think I've covered all the things I was thinking of. I really love the costumes. Yeah. So there's not really much to say on that power. Oh, I love them. I think they're great. Except for the they keep wearing the same clothes. I didn't think they'd wear as many. I mean, I'm wondering if it's maybe just a practical like budget thing. Like Maybe they just don't want to create too many costumes but it just seems <laughs> Maggie's, I mean, Maggie Smith's dresses are reversible. No, I mean, I'm not like this huge I don't usually notice things like that but I it was very apparent to me that they just kept wearing the same clothes over and over again and I'm like this is a two-year period and like um wouldn't they be getting new clothes well yeah and because I'd have to get new ones for, for for each season and I could understand if it was in the middle of the war but the war hadn't started yet right well there's the line the court and money's has. no issue and court? they made a big deal about Sybil getting a new dress and she was like yes I'm getting a new frock and this and that as if she gets one like every year like one per year yeah. that's it she was so excited and um i'm like wouldn't they be getting new dresses like all the time well, the thing i'll add is <laughs> maybe Cor- not maybe not. Com- i mean i i don't know Cora made a comment about um checking to see what the girls have in black when they have to go into mourning in the very yeah. beginning and granted yeah. you probably don't go by black every day but it's like it still fits so it implies maybe we're in the country maybe we don't maybe they are a little more practical than we give them credit for yeah, yeah you can't, you maybe can't yeah. She has to travel all that way to get the dress. So well, it, and I love it, that she got pants. I hope that. Oh, was, I'm sorry. I just, I <laughs> just have to. I, um, we haven't talked about um, Carson or um, Mrs. Hughes yet, but the scene where the telephone gets delivered and Carson's practicing answering <laughs> oh, the phone. So good. When, like when he's like, "This is Carson, the butler." All I can picture is who is it? Uh, this is Carlton. You know your doorman. Yes, I recognize your slur. That was all I could picture is the voice of Garfield <laughs> answering the phone. Mm. Oh, I like it. And he's practicing, and then the operator <laughs> uh, she goes, Well, you sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that was like thing. his. That was like his like British like uppity comeback is the same as us saying I know you are, but what am I? Well, like I love it too in the first scene. Like Maggie Smith is hiding under the coffee table because there's electricity nearby and the vapors might get her. So she's like looking up at the <laughs> chandelier <laughs> with like fear in her face. Now we have a telephone. <laughs> Don't need it in the Dowager house. Don't you dare put it in there. <laughs> Could you imagine if they oh, jump ahead a few decades and they're like Maggie Smith's descendant also played by Maggie Smith is like, I can't get the Wi-Fi signal in here. There's too much stone. <laughs> like, trying to like, hold their laptop up. 
that kills me. Mrs. Hughes, I think, is probably the character I like the most because you can just tell she's she's got this very warm side to her, and you feel so bad because she turns down um, the, the, yeah. the village for the second time, um, and it's it's not just. I, like the reason she gives is because we're different people, but I don't buy that. Some of it is, like you said, they're indentured. This is their life. She, you know, anywhere else, she could just take the, marry the guy and live in the village and come to work. Yeah. You know? that she can't do that. It's got to be one or the other. And, you know, there's that scene where I think William says, mm-hmm. you know, we could never get by without you. And yeah, but there's no reason not to have, you know, a yeah. life. And I don't know. It's interesting. Now that I know we're going to be jumping ahead years, it's, it's weird because you would think, you know, at some point Daisy is, you know, this very naive girl who, you know, doesn't have a maid's uniform and she's basically working buckets in the kitchen. At some point, will she be a maid? At some point, will... Well, she's a kitchen maid. Yeah. Which I, I, yeah, I'm so guessing seems be to be the lowest. Up to be the cook. I felt so horrible. What, uh, Molly Weasley's name there. What's her character? Mrs. Miss Patamore. I felt Mrs. so terrible pa- for her. Mrs. Patmore. When they like when they left her in her hospital room, you know, pick her up in a week. Oh, like it was almost like you can collect her on Friday. It's like they, it's like they left <laughs> yeah. her at the kennel. It's like it's, it's yeah, like it, she was so scared. Like she, she was so scared about having surgery. She comes back with like Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor glasses. On. It was just like, what they did back then. Like if your child in the even in the 50s, if your child went to hospital to have their appendix out or their tonsils out, you drop them off and you pick them up in a week. Mm-hmm. You don't, like, see them or anything during that whole so time. Bizarre. So, so bizarre. Bizarre, because now they're like, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving your child in the hospital? It's like, I'm going to the toilet, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you leave your kid there, you're seen as a bad parent. I left my 11-year-old there. She had a panic, and there was no room in the hospital because big, long, bad, horrible story. But I said, you know what? She's eleven. She doesn't need me sleeping there all night. So we went home. We didn't stay with her overnight. And there were some people just like, I can't believe you left her there. I'm like, well, I can't believe you expect me to stay. Yeah, <laughs> you my parents stayed when I was eleven. My, my, my father tried to sleep on the floor next to the bed. I'm like, get up. You're embarrassing yourself. Just go. <laughs> like, I'll be here tomorrow. It'll be fine. Go ahead. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I want. Yeah, it was like I wanted to stay with you, Ryan, when you were overnight with the flu, and the nurses looked at me and they said absolutely not they're like you go home <laughs> yeah. I said, okay. yeah in fairness i had pneumonia too i'm not that much of a celly no no i know i had pneumonia i didn't mean to downsize <laughs> it yeah but with kids now it you know it's sort of when when my daughter went in and she was just under two it was basically like well you know if you're not here to feed them and change their nappies and stuff well you know it might not get done basically Jeez. so um, i mean they'll take care of them but I've, I've also, there was a, a baby in, in the room when my daughter had her appendix out last year and the, the parents left her there like all the time and the kid would just be left to cry in her cot mm-hmm. and then if, if the right nurse was on, they would often like walk around with her um, so she wouldn't cry. But I'm thinking, you know, they, they, that's what they would have done, you know. I'm like, thinking you, you leave your kid there and the, they leave him in the cot there and they just leave him. They they change the nappy and then walk away. Well, I was say, you probably weren't able to just like pick her up while you were there because No, well, at one stage, well, there was this, this hysterical mother. They had a new baby and I understand it's, it was a very small baby, very young, um, less than a month probably, who had to come in for some kind of operation. It might have been a hernia or something, I don't know. Anyway, we were in a squished the, – the side of the room we were on had the, the bathroom mm-hmm. um, cut out into it so that the other half of the room was was wider than our half of the room. And 
we were squished right against the wall and the they had these little couch bed things, you know, that fold out, but they're like a seat, but they're a bit wider than a normal seat. Mm-hmm. And so on our half of the room, they were flush with the wall, turned side on to face the bed, whereas in the other half of the room, they could be facing the other way out into the room. And these other parents came in. And they pushed the crib right over um, so they could turn their chair around so they could watch the TV, which meant that we were practically pushed into the wall of the bathroom. Right. Uh, our mm. space that we didn't have was was sort of gone. Anyway, the baby the next day came back from the surgery and, you know, it hadn't been fed because they had to starve it for, right. for yeah. as fasting for the thing. And so the baby was crying and they'd pushed the cot all the way over. And my daughter, my, I couldn't sit down on the chair because they pushed my daughter's bed over to do that. And I was getting really frustrated because Georgia was, um, she, she was, uh, getting ready to go home. And so they wanted her up and moving, but the pain relief was being slowly withdrawn. And so she was in a lot of pain and I couldn't assist her. And anyway, the baby's screaming and they're like, wanted to get around the other side. So they've pushed everything over so far that she can't get around the cot because my daughter's bed is in the way. And she comes in and she goes, can you move the bed? I said, no. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, I said, I can't move the bed because it's over as far as it will go, you know, because I'm actually sitting next to my daughter. And and they had, because they had actually taken up the room, and she's like, oh, as long as you're all right. And I'm like, move the cot. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is on wheels. All they had to do was turn the couch back, seat back around and push the baby's crib, the cot, back so that she could get through. And But really, it was basically like they just wanted to push me over further and further. And it was really actually by that point, because we'd been waiting three hours for discharge, and I just burst into tears because it was just too much because she was – and, and like my daughter is in pain and I, at one stage I sort of growled at someone else and I said, mm. you know, what, you, you might be able to carry on because, you know, your baby, you know, I understand that she's upset and worried about her baby. So, but I've got 11 years of, of defending my baby so she's not going to get anywhere with me, you know, because she was just pushing and they kept bumping into the bed and my daughter's on the bed, you know, in agony and they're bumping her bed and I'm just like... I've had 11 years to defend this child. You've only had like <laughs> I can growl louder than you. Well, I almost got into a yeah. fight with the guy the other night who tried to cut in line at the local sandwich shop. Trust me, I would for the woman. <laughs> Don't need to explain to me. Sandwich Nazi. No sandwich for you. Yeah, oh, the guy was obnoxious. As Danielle, I was like growling. She was like dragging me out. Yeah, he was so obnoxious. I was, very, I was angry. So, Downton Abbey, we're going to start season two. It started, it's already, I think, completely aired um, in the UK. Yeah. It's starting to it, air here. Where? When does it start airing for you? I have no idea because I completely, it could have already aired. I haven't really checked because, like, as I said, I first, everyone kept talking about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds really boring. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I actually thought that someone gave me the premise. I'm like, well, whatever. And then it wasn't until I saw the DVD in the shop of season one that I went, oh, I want to watch that. Um, so I actually haven't followed it. I don't actually know. No, but it's like it the premise for the Hunger Games. It's a great series, but it sounds terrible if you get the one-liner. Yeah. Well, so now I'm like, I'm worried about googling for it though, because I just, I've just, I've been spoiled by looking up masterpieces. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. I I wanted to look up um the cast, so I typed in Downton Abbey, and the whole cast came up on like um. I think it was either Wiki or IMDb, and I got spoiled on something. I was like, well, gee, I can't even look up this and that because the I forgot that, like, basically season two was done. Um, I Because I, for me, I was like, oh, there's only been a couple episodes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hey, hang on. This is interesting. I found something. We wouldn't have been able to have it in Australia a couple of years ago. We don't have the funds to buy it. Oh. Oh. 
so, oh, but this, so yeah, this was last year. Funding of the ABC, which is the broadcaster that would have it here, was um, under pressure and impacting on its ability to acquire programming. Five, six, seven, eight years ago, it would have been on the ABC. We cannot afford to buy it anymore. We don't have the funds to buy Downton Abbey. So I don't know if we're actually going to see it because last August, we don't, we can't afford Downton Abbey. Well, you can probably get it on DVD though, right? Well, we, I can get it on DVD because actually, I bought it. No, they said the DVD of season two is actually going to come out before season two finishes airing. Okay. So you'll probably be able to get it within the next couple of months. So I'll probably have to get it on DVD. Right. Um, I don't know when it's going to... Uh, let me put in Australia and see if it's on, <laughs> because apparently we can't afford to buy it. See, we can get Series 1 at the ABC shop, Channel 7 promo. That it's going to be on Channel 7, because the, the ABC, see, that's the government broadcaster. They don't yeah. have commercials. It's not commercial television, and so they haven't got any money to buy it, whereas Channel 7 is a commercial station who would have the money to buy it, so it might not actually be on the ABC. We I don't know. <laughs> We can figure out what time it is there, but we cannot figure out when Downton Abbey is going to be airing in Australia. Uh, wow. We, I don't know when it's going to be on. Let me see. This is really... Wow. I may not be able to see it. <laughs> you can buy it. Yeah, I'd be able to buy it. Well, um, I have to mail it to you. Oh, something about it going to America. Premieres in Australia last May. Those damn Americans. It's, it's, on, it's on Channel 7. It's on commercial television. And normally BBC stuff, this stuff would normally come through the ABC. Uh, oh, okay. Note for North Americans. Well, well, I'm not a North American. So season two will air January 2012 on PBS. That's where we're watching. Here are three promo videos for Australian television. Uh, well, I don't know. I can't find out when it's coming back to Australia. Well, it's okay. By the time we actually see it and record the podcast, it'll be like another two years anyway. It'll be like, that's like the Popo Exchange. It's like Downton Abbey. Like, we'll be right back two years later. <laughs> All right. So we will be back with more Downton Abbey. Danielle, I think we'll want to watch it tomorrow, but we have plans tomorrow. So this is going to be kind of interesting <laughs> because it's a two hour premiere, but we'll be watching yeah. it pretty soon. So uh, with that, we're the Popo Exchange and we'll see you back. Bye. Ah. Ah. See, Kezzy, you're a podcaster again. I, now it's really bothering me. I don't know when it's going to be on. It won't be on at the moment, though, because it's summer here, right? Mm -hmm. And the only thing on at the moment is the Australian Open. There's nothing else on unless you switch to another station that has the golf. And then the third station has the cricket. 